get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Good morning, St. Louis. Happy Monday. And welcome to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman here with you. Randy Carriker is out today. He is celebrating his anniversary. He's taking time with his beautiful bride to celebrate their love. But we oh, have Dan wow. McLaughlin sitting in with us all show today. So excited for Danny Mac. You know him, of course. The voice of the Car- Cardinals on Fox Sports Midwest and Scoops with Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN from 10 to 11, Monday through Friday. But Dan, thanks for sitting in for Randy today. No problem. I uh, I didn't realize Randy was such a romantic that I he know. would take a day off. I mean, th- there are sports going on, you know. <laughs> this is very hard for Randy to do, I'm sure, especially after a weekend, but that just shows you his love for Jones. So, happy anniversary to the characters. Happy anniversary to them, too. Dan, are you a big anniversary <laughs> guy. Are no. you the guy that does big romantic gestures for your bride? I hope she's not listening. Because um, <laughs> I love her to death and she's awesome. She's raised our four kids when I'm out running around doing all this stuff. But um, no, I'm not. And sometimes she'll drop a hint maybe like a week beforehand and say, hey, and I know there are guys out there if they're listening. I'm not going to say the ladies because the ladies don't miss this stuff. I don't think. <laughs> But there's probably guys, on, and they can text in, but like a week before, she goes, hey, by the way, you know, Thursday, What you know what date that is? And I'm like, ah, it's a random Thursday in uh, October, you know? And she's like, that would be, you know, kind of a special date. You want to look it up? Oh, hey, we got married that day, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, okay. Happy anniversary, I'll remember something. So, yes, that happens. Did you get married in October, Dan? I did. That's a St. Louis sin almost with Cardinal Baseball. So did you just happen to dodge a postseason bullet? How did that work? It it did. Um, (laughs) Wow. But we, you know, we don't do the postseason. So I figured I I was off the hook, you know, and it worked out. So we were, we were fine. Everything was good. Were they not in the postseason that year? Now, Michelle. I'm just wondering again. if you had to roll out TVs. If you because I've been at many weddings, Dan, in St. Louis, where the groom and the the people, oh, the yeah. guests of the wedding request that TVs be brought into the reception so people could watch games. So that it must not have been something that important, because I imagine that might have happened with oh, you guys. It was you know, wedded bliss, of course, that just overtook me to where I wasn't worried <laughs> about the postseason. So I do my golf tournament every year mm-hmm. in October, where the second Monday in October and it always seems like good thing cardinals are in postseason play and so we do the the big part of the fundraiser is afterwards you know you sit around and everybody's doing an auction that kind of thing and i tell people before you even think about leaving unless you have a ticket to the game i will and i bring in big screen tvs so everybody can sit around and watch because that's what we do here in st louis we like we like postseason baseball but anyway good to be here hope you had a great weekend and uh 
Away we go. Away we go. Well, speaking of the Cardinals, we're going to be talking a lot about the Cardinals offseason today with Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN. And we're, of course, going to talk about Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, two guys who are out there on the market. People are wondering if they're going to come back to the Cardinals, what that relationship is like, what their future is going to be like. And Bill DeWitt III, the president of the Cardinals, was actually on Ribs and BK last week. Good. It was a really good interview. It was a really, really good interview. And they asked him how the Cardinals are going to handle these tough decisions during this season compared to others. Well, it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, particularly if you're only path to improving is in the free agent market. That's never a market that we want to be um, focused on 100% in terms of the only way to improve. Um, The free agent market is an important part of our model in terms of of being good every year. Um, But it, it, it should be if things are working properly in terms of scouting, player development, drafting, et cetera, it should be kind of that, that missing piece or that um, sort of calculated risk where you know you're, you're kind of paying top dollar for something that you really need. Um, if you're out there filling every last hole that you have in the free agent market, you know, it's probably going to come crashing and burning it down at some point. So, um, you know, trade trades are always a possibility. Um, giving our guys uh, who are coming up through the system – um, a little more time, you know, a lot of times people don't realize what you have um, until you play it. I mean, you know, let's face it, we saw a Rosarena a little bit, but not enough. And look what he did with Tampa. So, you know, we have to be smarter about the time we give our, our young players so that we balance it with those immediate needs that, you know, you can just go get on the free agent market. So basically, Dan, what I take away from that comment is the Cardinals are approaching this offseason in a smart way, in a cautious way, and it looks like they're going to lean on their youth. Based on what Randy Rosarena has done this postseason, it seems like Bill DeWitt III was saying, hey, we we need to know what we have in these guys, and we're not going to know until we let them play. Certainly you have to do that. I mean, after what Randy Rosarena did, you got to make sure you know what you got, right? Right. You don't want to have that happen again. (laughs) No. I would say that... Patience is, and I'm sure fans don't want to hear this, but patience is the key word here because um, I think on a local level, it was eye-popping, at least it was for me, that they did not pick up the Wong extension. So when you have the Wong extension and it was $12.5 million, so you buy out, so you saved $11.5 million, I thought what the Cardinals may do is just pick it up. I wasn't sure he'd be the everyday second baseman, but I thought it would build them time. Mm -hmm. And they just said, nope, we're done. And then all of a sudden, you look at what's happened now in the last, let's say, five days across Major League Baseball. I, I'm only seeing maybe four teams being aggressive in what would be the free agency market to over, I don't want to say overpay, but maybe pay the top dollar. Um, for instance, Michelle Bradhand, really good reliever from the left side. And this would be a, a market that has a lot of good closers. Well, he's left handed, he's been a three time All Star, I believe. It was ten million bucks to pick that up, and they didn't. And then no one wanted him. I mean, he's out there right now, mm-hmm. and I just, man, when you see that, you go, "Wow, this is really going to be a tough market, more than likely for free agents." Now we don't know where we're going to be in the baseball world with, and we've talked about this a million times. Will there be a vaccine? Right? Can we gather in spring training? Can we gather twenty five percent, fifty percent, is a hundred percent, depending on where you live? That, that is very important because that then gives you some idea of a business model. Um, so it's all going to be different. I'm sure the Cardinals have probably run 20 different models of what the season may look like so you know financially what you have coming in. But those two, Wong and Hand, 
seeing that from a local level, then on the national level, that was, to me, eye-popping. So that's why I say patience is the key here, because a lot of these guys are going to hit the market. The market will get set. You have an idea what people are going to pay, and then decide if you want to dip your toe into it or not. Greg Amzinger actually mentioned that to Randy and I last week about how a lot of teams are going to wait and see yeah. once they know what the projections are going to be. He he suggested that maybe one team would start being aggressive and then you would see some other teams start to follow suit because they would feel a little bit more confident that they can make that play. I would think your, your big market, uh, market teams, some of them are going to be those teams that get after it. Um, for instance, the Mets just got new ownership. And the guy's worth a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of money. And you're competing with the Yankees. This might be a market where he says, you know what? I've not only got the money because I didn't deal with the financial losses on my own personal dime, so to speak. I mean, now he paid a hell of a lot of money to buy the Mets. But, you know, you sit there and you say, eh, let's go get these guys. I mean, they're out there. We could we could train. We could change our fortunes very quickly. Um, I always think the Yankees will be players in this kind of thing. Sure. You got to look at the Dodgers being a player with this kind of thing. The Cubs are talking about massive losses, so I don't, I'm not so sure they will be doing that. They did pick up the option on Rizzo, but there is going to be in the patience part of it, uh, free agency, but also thinking about trades, you know, how active do some of these teams think about unloading contracts if they can, because we just don't know what 2021 looks like in terms of people being at the ballpark. That's right. And specific to the Cardinals, they also have to look at the contracts they already have on the books where you have a Matt Carpenter, a Dexter Fowler and Bill DeWitt the third address that. It's going to end up being um, sort of a, some, a guessing game because we're going to have to make some decisions before we know, like you said. Um, and, and one of the things that I'll evolve here is the marketplace, right? I mean, after the World Series, is now it's over. So I think it's a couple of days we, we enter into the free agent period. And you might see some teams jump into it right away. Others may just kind of wait a little bit and see where the market ends up. You know, I haven't talked to I talked to Mo yesterday, but not about that topic. But, you know, as far as how aggressive do we want to be early on, um, you're, you're dealing with less certainty the sooner you deal with something. As time pr- progresses, the market uh, materializes a little bit. And <clears throat> so I think you'll see a little bit of a waiting game. Maybe a couple teams go early, but you, you're hoping for information, any kind of information, to help you better make decisions. Fans probably don't want to hear that, but you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait and see how the market materializes. And I understand where fans here would be frustrated on the heels of a Rosarena, and then you see Wong, and you're kind of like, okay, and my two favorite guys are out there too, and they're not mm-hmm. signed yet, Yachty, Wayno. I get it. But as I said before, I was on the, the Zoom call with John Mosaylock the other day when we did the press conference and then listening to Bill the other day. Uh, and then just reading the tea leaves, it's it's going to be patience. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to wait to see what people are going to do. And, you know, the Cardinals have had bargains going late into spring training um, and late in spring training. So maybe some of that stuff happens, too, where you really, as much as you don't want to wait, you have to wait because by that time you do have an idea of what the season could look like. So I'm going to try to be patient, but, uh, you know, I, I love the hot stove, man. I want to get it going. The hot stove is so much fun. So fun, especially when you want some offensive firepower to be added to this team. You think about it, Michelle, um, and why was Wong not picked up? He's a great defensive player, probably wins a gold glove again. So you're talking about a two-time gold glover, potential leadoff man, not there. His OPS was 675, and 
If you watch the postseason, and we're watching uh, in our studio right now, MLB Network has the Rays and the Dodgers on, and I'm looking at some of the faces in the lineup. These guys blast the ball. Mm -hmm. That's what this postseason was about. And the game, whether we like it or not, you know, people say, and I'm one of them, so I'm I'm guilty of this. They say, well, you got to play small ball. You got to move the runner over. That's just not how the game is being played. So maybe it comes back that way at some point, but, you know, this is about mashing the baseball, slugging home runs. It's just what it is. And mm-hmm. so when you had Colton Wong at a 675 OPS, as much as I love watching the guy play, because I think he's an unbelievable defender, they're they're going to find offense somewhere because in 2018, they were fifth in runs. 2019, they were 10th. 2020, 12th. And then the bottom of slugging. They ain't going to cut it. They have the pitching. So they've got great pitching. They're going to be tight games, but man, if they could find some offense, changes the narrative. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. We're going to talk about the Cardinals throughout the show. We're going to talk about the market and how that might impact Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright returning to the team later in the show. But coming up next, we're going to play Dan's favorite game. It's what's oh. better. And that's coming up next <laughs> on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman with you. Danny Mack sitting in for Randy Carriker today, who's taking some well-deserved time to oh, celebrate yeah. his anniversary with his wife. But let's throw it to Scott Manziera, our producer here, and play a game of what's better. What do you got, Scott? Text in 65780 to the Air Comfort Service text line. Two things. Michelle and Danny Mack will tell you what's better. <laughs> Coming in from the 618, what's better, the 2006 World Series Championship or the 2011? Dan, I will let you have the floor here. Oh, I you're, ha- you're going to make ha- it hard on me, well, huh? no, I have my answer. <laughs> I mean, nothing will ever top 2011 2011 for me. is, yeah, pretty good. 2006 was awesome, but how can you ever not choose David Freeze Game well, 6? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a case for both. Am I supposed to be quick with these, or no, can I make a case? No, take your time. Okay, so 06 was a team that was really good until they got hurt, and then they got really good again when they got healthy. Um and then Adam Wainwright emerging as a closer down the stretch. First World Series since 82, at least winner. Um, I, and I think that postseason against the Mets, we talk more about that than we do the World Series against Detroit. Detroit threw the ball all around. We all know that. But the Beltron strikeout. Yep. So that's a moment that lives on forever, right? I mean, that's indelible in your memory of being a Cardinal fan is freezing Carlos Beltran, Shea Stadium, shaking, places going uh, nuts. Trump is in the background, by the way. Really? You ever seen that picture? No. Oh, yeah. Donald Trump's in, like, row 10. Seriously. Of the Wainwright strikeout? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you can see him there. Row 5 or something like that. It's kind of funny now that we look back at it. Um, But I'm not here to get political. (laughs) So I'm definitely just... That's just a picture. Okay, so I'm not not going one way or another, everybody. Just... It is election week. Yeah, I just got to be <laughs> careful with that. Um, but then 2011, pretty darn good. I mean, you come back in regular season. Ten and a half games. Hometown hero. Rally squirrel, Dan. Ah, the hell with the squirrel. <laughs> uh, although he is on the ring. Yeah, that's right. He is on the ring, which is awesome. Um, you had Happy Flight. That's right, Happy Flight. Happy Flight is on the ring, too. Nice. So the ring in 06 has got the uh, the... Fireworks behind the arch, which is the first. Bill DeWitt did an unbelievable job. He takes such great care of understanding, like, 
okay, here's what was going on at that time. Here's the history of what's happening. New stadium, you know, fireworks. And then um, and then the Ole- uh, 11 ring has got happy flight on it. It's got the squirrel. It's got so. I'm, okay, so what's better? I'm going 2011. I would love to know the process of building the ring. If they just do a bunch of mock-ups and they send them to the oh, DeWitt family. That's what they, is that what they do? Oh, do he, they have kind of a, a crowdsourcing oh. of ideas? or if memory, How does that work? If memory serves correct, like the 11 ring, he basically sketched it. Wow. So he sketched it on his, you know, like a notebook paper or something. I was like, okay, here's a kind of an idea. Here's something. And then I think they take it to Justin's or wherever they go. And yeah. Here's kind of how it's mocked up. And what do you think about this? Well, I want to get this in there. How do we do that? I mean... Oh, he takes great, great care of making sure that if you have that ring, that when you look at it, look at it hard, there's symbolism on all different sides, inside. I mean, it's really cool. That those really memories cool. come flooding back. Yeah, just right now they did. I love that. Pretty cool. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for What's Better, and we want to hear from you. From the 314 guys, what's better, Halloween or Thanksgiving? I'm going to go Halloween. I would say Thanksgiving during a non-pandemic year. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I'm not I, a huge Thanksgiving girl. I think the Thanksgiving menu is kind of overrated. Well, that's where you're wrong. It depends. What are, you, what are you guys having, ham or something? You're probably, don't tell me you're having ham. You can't have ham at Thanksgiving. You got to have turkey. Does anyone have ham at Thanksgiving? I've had people tell me they have ham. Really? I'm like, no, no, no. You, I don't care if you eat the turkey. You just got to have the turkey. It's got to sit there. And then you can eat the ham on the left side. I don't care, but you got to have turkey. Isn't the only thing that's written in Sharpie on the menu turkey? <laughs> I would think. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Um, non-pandemic year, I'm going, I'm going Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm going Thanksgiving. I yeah. love Halloween. I love dressing up. I love the idea. Did I- you dress up this weekend? I, I went with my friend and her little daughter around the neighborhood, and I dressed as a mouse for her. Oh, that's nice. But that's very not, nice. Not, a, not all out or anything. Did you dress up? No. I have one outfit. I put on a big coat, and I wear a wolf hat, and my dogs literally come at me. Seriously, they growl at me if I do it. Wow. Because they, I don't know, I guess they think I'm a dog. I don't know. Whatever. So they look at me and they jump on me and then I have to take it off and show them and then they lick me. Must be a good costume though if <laughs> yeah, you fool it, them. Oh, it works. <laughs> it works. That's that's the go-to costume. 65780, Air Comfort Service, text line for what's better. From the 314, what's better, the NFL or college football? College. College for me. I mean, look, not to go back to... Uh, our friend Stan, but when he took the team out of here and my little guys at that time loved going down to a Rams game. Oh man. Um, and that's been taken away. So that really leaves a sour taste. Um, but I, and, and when I was a little guy, I used to go to the big red games with my dad, who's been gone for a long time, but it's been memories. I think about with that football team or at least just watching pro football, but college atmosphere. Great. If you go to a great college town, the tailgating, the whole oh, yeah. thing. So I'm going college. I'm going college, too, for the same reason that you said. There's nothing like a college football environment with the tailgating and the band and the crowd before kickoff. I will never forget when I went last season to LSU, Alabama, Baton Rouge, Saturday night. That environment before kickoff was unlike anything I've ever experienced in my entire life. That was kind of a bucket list thing for me. And now that my I'm always talking about my kids, but I got a freshman in high school. And so three years from now, he's out the door and wow. so we got to start thinking about you know places to go so i'm using that as an excuse to hey i think we need to go to Ole miss hey i think we need to check out lsu hey what do you think about going to stanford hey what do you think about going? you know <laughs> i don't care just 
let's go to some good football places. That's what I like. That's what we did. I looked at Florida and Gainesville. I looked at Pepperdine. I looked at NYU, and then I went to Illinois. So, there so, you go. So get the trips out of the way. It's fun. That's fine. That works. But yeah, that's. I, I'm going college. I gotta go college. This one comes from the three, two, one. What's better, Monday morning meeting or a Friday afternoon meeting? What's better? Hmm. I would say a Monday morning meeting because you already wake up on a Monday knowing, hey, it's going to be Monday. I I think I'm with you because I had a Friday afternoon meeting, um, which was a great meeting. And if you're listening, thanks for meeting. Um, (laughs) But then everybody's like, let's go. Like you want to get the weekend started. So, you know, you're stuck at work anyway. Monday morning meeting got to be better. And I don't know about you, but after the show on Friday, I'm so drained. After a whole week of doing shows and a yeah. whole week of work, it's, as soon as the show is over, I just need to take a big breath and kind of relax. And so to think that there'd be another meeting after that, yeah. not great. Not great. Uh, yeah, I'm going Monday morning. This one comes in from the 636. What's better, hot stove season or playoff baseball season? Oh, I got to go playoff baseball. Yeah, I, especially if your team's in it. I mean... That means you're winning, so you got to go there. That means your hot stove was probably pretty good because you picked up the right guys to get into postseason play. But I'm a hot stove guy. I love it. I think it's fun. I follow all of it. Um, but playoff baseball, I think this like this last postseason was awesome, and I th- and I I really think that baseball needs to look at how they put all those teams together. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I, I just thought it was more teams. I like it. I understand that there could be a hindrance on what you do regular season. You know, some teams, well, just get in. Well, okay. I'm fine with that because that month of October is awesome. It's awesome. It's great. I don't know if it's because we didn't think we would have the, the baseball postseason, if it was the expanded playoffs, if it was the matchups, if it was the star power this year, but I had more fun watching postseason baseball this season than I had in a long time. I did too. I, I, I don't know if it's because football is kind of, well, it, we didn't have basketball. You have no hockey. I mean, I'd be into hockey right now with the blues were going. Mm-hmm. So your focus, your attention was truly on Either you love the weekends for football or you're watching baseball at night if you're a sports fan. At least I was. And the thing about the Cardinals, too, is they're usually in the postseason or at least right on the cusp. So while hot stove is fun, you love the rumors, you love the speculation, you love thinking, okay, how can we put this puzzle together? If you're a fan, the reason you have the hot stove is so you can get to the postseason. And by the way, baseball just made the announcement, uh, I don't know if it was over the weekend or Friday, but they canceled... The um, where all, a lot of the hot stove happens, but they they cancel the winter meetings. So we knew the GM meetings were going to be done virtually, and so at least congregating for the winter meetings is not going to happen. I'm sure they'll have a bunch of zooms and things of that nature. What do you think? If they're a thirty man uh, Zoom call, say oh, hey, gosh. I want him. It's like an auction. I, well, you know what's interesting <laughs> yeah, right. is those, is those guys. <laughs> they they get you know the teams get like these big suites, and so you invite. Agent X, come on over. Tell me about your guy. Okay, we're going to meet with the Tampa Bay Rays today. Let's come on over, you know, and they just meet and meet and meet, and that's how things go. And so, I don't know. I mean, throughout this whole process of Zoom meetings and whether I want to meet somebody in person, I still want to be in person, man. Me too. It just drives me crazy. I, I Zoom has been great. I get it. But... The, just the, what you can get accomplished, I think, in person is so much better. Well, you can read somebody. Exactly. If you're trying to negotiate a deal, you can see someone's body language better than you can on a Zoom. Yeah. You can read their face or anticipate the conversation better. It, Zoom is a necessity in person for deals like this, especially. I would much prefer it. I wonder how much Zoom is going to change business as a whole. 
just not baseball business. I mean, just businesses. You know, you run a business. You say, hey, uh, go. You're going to have to go to New York to go meet uh, client X. And now you say, I'll just save that money and get on a Zoom. Oh, I don't know. I bet a lot of businesses yeah. are doing that. Not to mention people working from home. You can save on office space. Yeah, for All sure. sorts of stuff you can save. For sure. We had the candy draft uh, last week. This oh, one boy. comes from the 636. What's better, Kit Kats or Twix? Uh, Twix. I mean, that was my number one overall I pick, know. That's so. why I went with it, Michelle. Thank but you, I'm in agreement because the caramel and the, yeah, I get, you're going Twix. Dan, I, I went with Kit Kats, though. Well, I don't. I love the wafer in the Kit Kat, and I love chocolate, but I'm going Twix. Have you guys ever seen the monsters out there who don't break the Kit Kat apart and eat it, and they just take a big bite out of the whole oh, yeah. thing? You ever seen a guy who take a Twix and he just he flips it kind of towards him with the caramel part on top and then eats it like a, cor- a corn on the cob? So no. you just eat oh the <laughs> you just eat the caramel. No, but that is disturbing. I can I can tell you, Michelle, that I went and got a bag of Kit Kats and I did eat a couple like that and I was torched inside my house by uh, my family and my girlfriend about eating it with just one bite. But you ate I, it with one bite. I didn't bite? break it apart a couple of times, not every time. A Kit Kat, yeah, I like didn't the, the mini Kit Kats, right? Yeah, you're talking about not the whole. No, 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 not, whole not thing. the four-piecer. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm thinking. Is I'm just thinking just... the two-piecer. Okay, gotcha. But still, isn't it just the process? You have to break it apart? It was definitely the wrong move. I wasn't Why? thinking straight. I just wasn't thinking straight. I just, Why, that's I just wanted the, it. But that's what you, yeah. No, no, I'm not saying it's a bad move. I'm just saying, why were they all on you about that? I, you know what? Because people have specific ways of eating some foods or candies. And yeah. Kit Kat's definitely one of those. It's like the Hershey's bar. You know, you want to break those individual pieces off to eat it. Yeah, I agree with that. I screwed up. When I was a kid, we used to eat Nutty Buddies. Remember those? Hell yeah. And we would have to take every layer off. That's the way we would eat it. And if I see someone take a big bite out of it, it hurts me inside. It's very weird to me. I don't worry about how people eat. Scotty, if you want to eat that way, I'm okay. Michelle, obviously you you have mental issues with the scarring of past nutty butters or whatever they were eating. Dan, are you the guy that eats the string cheese with one bite that you don't break it apart? Is this what you're trying to tell us? Oh, I sure I'd do that. Yeah. If I wanted to. I'm surrounded. I, but by I normally don't do that. Just on the record, I normally don't do it. But you asked, could I do it or will I do it or have I done it? Absolutely. I think if I took a big bite of string cheese, I might gag. But anyway, I agree. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. That's Danny Mac. Thank you, Scott. That's Scott Manziera. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, it was another great weekend of NFL action. We're going to get into some NFL news and notes next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and Danny Mack with you. Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker is out today. And let's dive into some NFL news and notes, shall we, Dan? Yes, ma'am. Let's do it. Okay, well, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we're calling them Randy Steelers because he's been on them since before the season even started. By the way, do you remember when we were doing the show and I was filling in for Randy, who I predicted to win the Super Bowl? The Pittsburgh Steelers. I did. So Dan and Randy's Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank you. Well, they remain undefeated yesterday. They stopped Baltimore at the end of the game yesterday. The Steelers were down 17-7 at half. They took a lead halfway through the fourth quarter, 28-24. They hung on. They improved to 7-0. Now, it was another big game disappointment for Lamar Jackson on the Baltimore side. He turned the ball over Dan four times. And Baltimore fell to two games back of Pittsburgh in the AFC North. So now the question today, as I look up on the TV and we have every sports uh, show in America talking is can Lamar Jackson win the big game? I, yeah, I, I, I love Lamar Jackson. I still, you know, I was thinking about who the MVP is this year. 
And going into the season, Lamar Jackson would have been part of that conversation. I'll tell you who one of the guys that we need to look at. Cam Newton. I'm dead serious. To be the MVP? It shows you. Now, he's hurt. Hear me out. Look how bad Dallas is without him. It look, and you have to have quarterback play in this league. Roethlisberger was awesome. Remember, they were down 17-7. You look at what Russell Wilson is doing with the Seahawks. You look at what Tom Brady now is doing with Tampa Bay after leaving and how Cam Newton hasn't found really his niche in uh, New England. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking to myself, Cam Newton, how important is he to the Dallas Cowboys? Dak Prescott. I'm sorry, Dak Prescott. I'm saying Cam Newton. Dak Prescott. We know so, what you meant. Yeah. So I'm sitting there saying... Um, because I had Cam Newton on my mind because I was just looking at him right here, his devastating fumble blow to the Patriots. But <laughs> right. Dak Prescott, I mean, how important is he? So quarterback play, if you don't have it, you're done. So Lamar Jackson, as talented as he is, for them to get over the hump and play a, a rival like that with Pittsburgh, if, if he doesn't play to elite level, you don't win. You just don't win. And I know with being that franchise quarterback that a lot of the responsibility falls on your shoulders. But he was harassed yesterday. They were without right. two of their starting offensive linemen, Stanley and Phillips. So I don't think that we can just take a simple snapshot of Lamar, even though the postseason numbers haven't been exactly what you had hoped for Lamar Jackson. But there is nuance and context to things. And yes. just because of that game, I'm not ready to give up on Lamar oh, and say no, he's no, not no. ready to win a big game. I, see, that's where we get too hot taken. I, you know, is he this guy? Is he that guy? Is he probably, you know, no, he's a great player that came up short in a big game and then we'd start to label these players i can't stand that look at the big picture look at the body of work and see what he does um i was in i watched a lot of the miami game with tua so tua you know he was okay he wasn't great but the decision the dolphins have made is not about winning well it is about winning this year but this is more of a five to ten year decision to start one of the elite kids that came out of college so if you have him and he gets better all of a sudden you start seeing that miami is in this division you start seeing that buffalo can do what they're doing Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you look at the patriots and the patriots are not the patriots this year no they are not they're not well dan mentioned tua and the dolphins yesterday in that game versus the la rams tua making his first nfl career start the dolphins took down the rams 28 to 17 tua did just enough as dan mentioned to put the team in a position to win. But really, the the entire story from that game was the Dolphins' defense. They pressured Jared Goff and that Rams offense like crazy yesterday. Jared Goff did not look great, Danny. You just hate to see it. You hate to see it. 35 for 61, 355 yards, one touchdown, but two interceptions. 61 attempts in that game. 61 the NFL rookie draft class, by the way, when you think of Tua, mm-hmm. Joe, Burry, uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, um, now that group has at least made one start. So that's kind of fun to see that next generation of these quarterbacks come through. And uh, this could be really one of the better draft classes in terms of QBs in quite a while because they're all three going to be very good. And the other two have, have shown it, that they're doing it already. So I'm excited about that. That, that kind of stuff makes me want to watch the NFL. We we're talking about college or pro. Yeah. I'll watch young guys play. I, I was interested to watch Tua. I like seeing Joe Burrow. Right. I, I think it's kind of fun. So that has my interest of what's going on in this NFL season. And I, I know this may pain you. It pains me to say this, but Tom Brady has got my interest now. Oh, that I, doesn't pay me. He's had he's had my interest. So, 
I mean, he's, the, he's arguably the greatest quarterback of all time doing what he's doing at, the, at his age in Tampa Bay. My interest has been peaked well before right now. Now, we were talking about Lamar Jackson. Does he have the weapons of Tom Brady? No, but Tom Brady is still at 43. You play his own defense against Tom Brady, he will pick you apart all day. So he's still making quick reads. You see what they just did this past week, picking up Brown. I, I think Gronk is getting better as I watch them play. He's still like appointment watching for me. And then Bill Belichick on the other side is not winning. Now, I will say this. A lot of that has to do with Brady. But they had a, they had opt-outs. They had guys that did not, you know, got hit with COVID. So can we just say the dynasty is over? I'm not willing to say that yet. But initially here, watching them play, they're not nearly the team that they were under Tom Brady a year ago. They're just not. Nope. And the guy who replaced him, Dan, Cam Newton, a tough game, another tough game for Cam Newton yesterday. He fumbled on a game-winning or yep. game-tying drive for the Patriots. They dropped another game after they lost 24-21 to to the Bills yesterday. They're now 2-5. and five. That's right, 2-5 and five on the season. And it seems like every week we're talking about Cam Newton and the fact that he is doing things that are contributing to these losses. And here's a quote from him yesterday, Dan. He said, I am still jeopardizing this team's success because of my lackluster performance of protecting the football. Coach, trust me with the ball in his hand, and I wouldn't want it any other way. I just have to do a better job protecting it. I am curious if coming off of COVID-19 has affected him. We don't know that. You guys agree with that? That's I, a good point. I, I, you know, there were some athletes that came out and said later after they had it, they're like, man, I just wasn't the same. For instance, from the Cardinals' perspective, Lane Thomas. So mm-hmm. they talked about the other day, he was struggling, he was kind of dizzy, he just didn't feel strong. Um, and watching Cam Newton from the beginning of the season to what we're seeing now, kind of a different guy. And it's, I mean, after the, the COVID-19, when it hit him, he, he just has not been the same player. So I wonder in, you know, a couple of months when the season's down, and we're, we're over and we're kind of dissecting it. If he, not to use it as an excuse, but did it affect him? I, I really do wonder that. I was watching the game wondering that yesterday. It's a good question. You know who else looked like a different guy? Drew Locke yesterday yeah. in the game versus the Chargers between the first and second half. They ended up beating the Chargers 31-30. to 30. But Drew Locke, as you remember, was coming off a tough game versus Kansas City. He had a two-interception day in that 27-point loss. He didn't look great in the first half. The the Broncos didn't look great in the first half of the game yesterday. So what did Drew Locke do? He told his team it's time to man up. He gave him a little speech before they went out after halftime. He says, I just got up in front of the offense and I said, listen, it's so easy for us to come in here and yell and scream and get mad about what we're doing bad, but we just need to man up. And when the plays come our way, we need to make them, myself included. I'm not yelling at y'all, but I'm obviously talking to myself right now, screaming at myself right now. And that's what they did. They went out. They were trailing 14-3. to Drew Locke had a great second half and they ended up beating the Chargers. 26 of 41, 248 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. By the way, we, we talked about 61 attempts, 61 attempts in the game that we were just talking about previously. And now lock at 41 attempts. The NFL is just chucking it everywhere. Have you noticed that this year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the penalties are down. Like they're, they're not calling holding penalties. So you're seeing guys, if you give these guys that are so elite at the quarterback position that much time, and they're going to throw it that much, and you're not calling holding penalties, you're going to get picked apart, and you're going to see big numbers. That's where some of these games have really caught my eye, like seeing 61 attempts, seeing 50 points scored. You didn't see that a few years ago. And then I went looked, I, I was looking at, are they calling holding penalties? They're way down, Michelle, like by huge amounts of percent. 
Um, and if they're not calling that, and teams know this, they're going to chuck it because mm-hmm. these guys are so good. So, hey, good for Julock. It's fun to watch him play. Absolutely. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. Those are your NFL news and notes. And by the way, you can listen to Monday Night Football right here on 101 ESPN tonight. Buccaneers versus Giants. The pregame is coming your way at 6.30 p.m. But coming up next, get your texts in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's take it or leave it. And that's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Character is out today. Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the Cardinals on Fox Sports Midwest. And of course, Goose with Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN. 10 to 11 is sitting in for Randy. Hey, you have a bonus hour after you do I, I this do. show. Can't wait. Um, by the way, Randy, uh, I just glanced at Twitter and I bet he is listening right now. He probably should call in, but he's going back and forth with somebody on Twitter. So Randy, take the day off. Take it off. He took the day to celebrate right. his love and his anniversary with his wife, and instead he's sparring with trolls on Twitter. I don't know if he's sparring. I need to look at this, Michelle, but um, <laughs> let's see. Because Randy usually doesn't spar too much. Um, it's always just facts that he'll throw right that's back right. at you. And, Mega mind. Right. You know, that's why when he does the fight and I got to fill in on the fight and I'm not looking forward to that, it's going to be embarrassing because Randy knows everything and you can't get anything by the guy. I mean, and, and if he misses a question, I mean, he is barely off. Right. You, and you hear the mind working and the process to get to the answer. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's this, this, and this. And then he might get to that last level and not know it. But, man, he's, he's still trapped, man. Okay, you said you're nervous to fill in for him. The last time you did this, you got every single question <laughs> right every single day. You, you guys were good to me, though, with baseball. So that was good. And... um Randy is a savant when it comes to... Now, I, I wouldn't trust him to do my finances. <laughs> Although, financially, he might be great. I don't know. But we don't I, do math on our show. Mm-mm. Okay, or be we a don't. scientist. Maybe I should change there the... You go. Uh, okay, but um, he should, like, basically be a talk show host. And he is. And that's it. I mean, he's unbelievable when it comes to this stuff. So, I'll fill in, and I'm not nervous. I just will probably make a fool of myself, which is fine. That's you're gonna what do you do, Dan. You're gonna oh, do great. Thanks, God. It means a lot. Thanks a we lot. We believe in you, Dan. Thank you, guys. And if you want to challenge Dan in the fight today, text the word fight to 65780 or send in your take it or leave it on the Air Comfort Service text line. But before we get to your text, I have one for both of you. Take it or leave it. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina will be back with the Cardinals next season. I'm gonna take it. I, I think they do come back. I think they find a way. I think when you uh, decided not to pick up the option on Wong. There was a couple ways to look at it. One, they wanted to get more offense out of the position. I mean, it's a it's a risky move because the guy's an elite defender. But 675 OPS last year, you can see that they want to slug. They want to get more production in, in the entire lineup. So that's one way to do it. And the other thing was at eleven, um, you know, at eleven and a half million dollars that you save. I just think that goes towards that bucket of, of Yachty. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about his situation is different in my mind than anybody else's. Even more so a little bit than Wayno's because he is a surefire, in my opinion, Hall of Famer. Both are surefire Red Jacket Hall of Famers, sure. Cardinal uh, Hall of Famers. But I, I do believe this is not the pool hole situation. It's not a 10-year contract. This is about two years and more than likely, never say never, but more than like, because last time we saw him get the extension, we said, well, that'll be it. Well, here we are. And we got two more years that we're looking at with Yachty. 
I think he comes back. I think they find a way to, to make this thing happen. It always, and they need him, by the way. Yeah. It always blows my mind that some people don't think Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer. Blows my mind. I think when he got the 2000th hit, that would change if you were on the fence. Like, you're a national guy and you don't watch him every day like we do. That changes the narrative for me. Like, you, you get to 2000 as a primary catcher. That was the final nail in the coffin for that resume and say, here it is. Mm-hmm. I've got nine gold gloves, two world titles, been in postseason, play a ton. I play hurt. I've got these guys. And then you start talking to people like Tony La Russa or, uh, you know, Mike Schilt or others that say he is the intangibles that don't show up on the paper are through the roof. So I, I just think if you start looking at numbers, period numbers, 2000 hits get you in. 314 texts in from the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. The take it or leave it is, take it or leave it. The Cardinals need to trade for and give extension to Matt Chapman. He looks like the perfect Cardinal. He would be a guy I'd look at for sure. Uh, for sure. Um, I think there's going to be those kind of names that are out there that would surprise a lot of people. Um, but again, I think anything's on the table in terms of, you know, looking especially, in my opinion, offensive help from the outfield. Now, you know you have Fowler coming back. He's one year left. Um, and we should mention, too, you're going to get some payroll relief when Fowler is done, barring extensions for Carpenter and Fowler and some others. Um, now, you do have arbitration cases coming up. They've got six guys that are arbitration eligible this year. But as it pertains to 2021, they've got to get more production out of the outfield spot. So I really look at them taking a hard look at what is out there with outfielders. And here's the other thing, guys, that, that they got to look at, too. And I think baseball needs to figure this out sooner rather than later for both management and for players is the DH in the National League. That opens up a lot of jobs potentially, and, and it also changes what you may want to do in the offseason as well. We also listened to Bill DeWitt III, his comments that he made on Ribs and BK last week earlier in the show, and he mentioned the contracts that they already have. And so I don't wonder if it's just a, hey, we're going to play Matt Carpenter until Nolan Gorman is ready and we're going to save the money. I, I would say this too, without having a minor league season, we don't know how far advanced this year was for Mac, uh, for. Matthew Libertor and for Nolan Gorman and you know is it at the end of next year I I don't know I, I I guess maybe if you had a normal season and they had their normal progression and maybe Nolan Gorman was kind of on the Dylan Carlson path then yeah maybe you'd look at September call up that kind of thing um I think we're we're left guessing I I we just don't know I I think spring training will will allow you um to see how far they progressed and where they're at but we just don't no, which is really unfortunate. Air Comfort Service text line is 65780 from the 503. Take it or leave it. Tom Brady will win at least one more ring and Aaron Rodgers will not. Oh, that's a really good one. Tom Brady has a good shot. He's got a good shot with this cast of characters he's got. So I might take it. And they're getting better and better and better. He's got weapons. And we were talking about, you know, some of these QBs that are big names in the sport. They don't have quite the... The weapons that he's got. He's got weapons, so it's going to give him a shot to do it. So I would I would say he is ahead of Rodgers. Rodgers got one wide receiver. That's it. And if you don't address it, like if you're Green Bay and you don't address that it, as the trade deadline comes here, they, they ain't going to win, period. It seems like that's a common theme, right? Right. Give Aaron Rodgers some more weapons. You got to. I, he's the only guy. I mean, the, you look at he's got one wide receiver he throws to. They don't have the weapons. 
Tom Brady is spreading the ball everywhere. You can put Gronk on the outside. You got AB. You got, you know, they, they, they've got guys that they had back before. Mike Evans. Mike Chris Evans. Godwin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. The cast of characters that they have down there from the 636. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals will only give a one multi-year deal this offseason. That'll be to Yachty or Molina. Huh? I could see that. So I'm going to take it because he'll want two years, right? Oh, yeah. He's going to want two years. Uh, I'm going to leave it. I think it'll be more than just one guy. I think there's going to be now takes two to tango. Sure. And a lot of these guys are going to say, these players say, I'll take your one-year deal at the reduced rate because then the market resets in 2022. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Knock on wood. But yeah, multi-year deals, that's kind of another facet of this I was thinking about. Will guys get that? Generally speaking, probably not nearly as many as before. I think your top free agents will probably get that if the money is there. But a lot of them are going to do one-year deals and say, okay, I'm betting on myself. This one-year deal, you're paying me. I'll reset the market and go back in when there's more money to be had. I do think that. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. Take it or leave it. If Tony LaRussa doesn't manage the White Sox to the playoffs in 2021, he's a one and done. Really good question. I'm going to leave it. Uh, I think that Tony is minimum two years. Now, depending on how much this just exhausts him. Now, Tony leaves no stone unturned, mm-hmm. which I love about him. I mean, he he will be as prepared as anybody. And despite the fact that he's 76 and I get it, I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, I do these games as the stupid announcer and I'm tired by the end of the year. I can't imagine what these, you know, managers go through. And a guy like Tony, yeah. who is dissecting everything and you got the front office bringing down analytics and sabermetrics and the various things that you're doing with that. Um he could be exhausted, and if he wins, he's out. But if not, I see him coming back. I really do. I could see two years as well, just because you know how dedicated he is yeah. to things and how relentless he is. But does it change, though, if he wins? See, if he wins, then you go out on top, you did what you wanted to do for Jerry Reinsdorf, and yeah. you're done. If, as much as the dugout calls to him and right. is always in his heart, as he said, I do think if you win, what else do you have? Not that he has anything right now but in that specific scenario why wouldn't you go out on top again like you did with the Cardinals and relax (laughs) I hope uh, well he can't relax I I don't think listening to his presser it sounds like he has wanted this for a long time he uh, we would be on the road and Tony would pop up uh, hey Tony how's it going you know we'd sit there and talk a little bit and we I would watch I love watching games especially like so he was with Boston okay so I'd flip on a Boston game before we'd come on the air and they'd do a shot of the press uh, press box and there's Dave Dombrowski and there's Tony every single game. Uh-huh. He was at every game. And when we would face the Arizona Diamondbacks, he's there every game. He's traveling with the team. When he's with the Angels this year, he was at spring training. I mean, he, the guy lives, eats, breathes baseball. That's his deal. So I don't know. I'm going to counter myself here and say, okay, let's say he wins. He may come back again because that's what he loves it. I, I just think we'll find out the physical toll it takes on him, right. and only he can answer that. Especially from a pandemic standpoint, too. I, exactly. You know, I we mean, don't know what travel is going to look like or what the season is going to be. We, If it's anything like 2020, and hopefully it's not, it could be start, stop. It could be a whole deal. You know, there's another way to look at it, too, is I do think that we found, and I had Adam Wainwright on the show last week, and I was talking to some different players about this, but we have found, as hard as it was to get through 
a baseball season, and it was very, very tough behind the scenes that, that fans didn't hear about a lot of the different things that were going on. We did find that guys were getting to the ballpark later. And, you know, it was supposed to be, I think, a minimum of uh, five hours prior to first pitch. So 7 o'clock game, you know, guys are trickling in at 3, 4 o'clock, that kind of thing, and finding that they could get their work done. They could take BP, take the ground balls, stay socially distanced, and and still get the job done as opposed to showing up at 10 in the morning at their offices and at the ballpark. I mean, young guys would get there. If you were a young kid, you were expected to beat the veteran. So you're always on the first bus. And if not on the first bus, you were going prior to that. So you're showing up at like one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. I, I just don't think you have to do that. Maybe we're finding out that through this pandemic, it lessens the workload to an extent. Maybe. We'll see if that happens with all these managers and coaches and players. We'll see. That's Sam McLaughlin, Scott Manziera. Thank you, Scott. You got it. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next on Carriker and Smallman, we're going to talk about Adam Wainwright. He's being linked to the Atlanta Braves. Is that something we should expect, that Wayno goes to Atlanta? We're going to talk about it next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman with you. Danny Mack, Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the Cardinals on Fox Sports Midwest and the host of Scoops with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN is in for Randy Character today. And Dan, we've been talking a lot about the Cardinals offseason today and they have a lot of decisions that lay before them. And one of them includes Adam Wainwright, who is a free agent. And there's a lot of fans out there that want the Cardinals to bring Wayno back, potentially on a one-year deal because of everything that not only he means to the organization and the community, but what he gave you. Last right. season, you know, he was a huge piece, the ace of this rotation. I thought he was the MVP. He was the MVP. I agree with you. Well, the rumors are out there. It is that time where there's rumors about different players. And in The Athletic over the weekend, Ken Rosenthal and David O'Brien reporting that the Braves are interested in bringing Adam Wayne right back. We know he's a Georgia native. That's where he was drafted, was to Atlanta. And that they are looking at him as a veteran piece that they can add to their rotation and a homecoming of sorts. Yeah, I, it makes sense. Close to his home. Grew up the Braves fan, as we all know that history, and then wound up in St. Louis with one of the great trades that has ever been made. Mm-hmm. It does make sense. Two-year deal? I'm not sure that makes sense. It takes him to 42, I would guess. Um Let's see, he'd be 40, 41. So through his 41 year. Um, I wonder, this is this is brought up to me the other day by somebody that um, is in the media. So not from a Cardinals representative, but it was from somebody in the media. They said, how about do the Roger Clemens thing with Wayno? Meaning that he would come back in like July or August and pitch you down the stretch so you don't have all that mileage on his arm or you know what I mean? He, right. Well, he's got a ton of mileage but you know what I'm saying. So he's got From some... From the season. Yeah. Uh, that that was kind of interesting. I don't know if he would do that. I don't think he would do that. I think he... And, and I also think the value of having him around every day is really important. Like, so Jack Flaherty was on with Chris Raby on my website and he talked about how Wayno helps the young guys like you you watched him number one physically do what he did this year and you're like that's amazing how is he doing this Daniel Ponce de Leon did that at one point where he pulled him aside and said how did you get through this game like he had given up a home run to Freddie Galvis against the Reds you may remember this game was a Friday night and all of a sudden you looked up and through seven innings, there's Adam Wainwright with a chance to win the game. And I think the Cardinals eventually came back and won it with a walk-off by Wong. But he stayed in the game. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of getting beat up a little bit early on. 
the value of that for young players and pitchers, I think there's something to that. Now, what would you have to pay for that? I don't know. Um, a two-year deal, that would be risky for a guy that's 39. But if you were going to, if there was a team that was out there that was going to do it where it would make some sense, it probably would be the Atlanta Braves. They are in desperate need of pitching. They lost Soroka, who had the Achilles situation. Um, they were struggling down the stretch with some of their pitching. Now, they brought up some young guys that really surprised them, but they need depth. And as we've saw, uh, seen now in, in Major League Baseball, as it always is, you can't have enough pitching, but especially with a postseason that is expanded, it would make sense. Now, the question would be, are he and Yachty a package deal? And I don't think that. I, I think one could wind up one place, the other somewhere else. And by the way, I both think they're going to wind up here. That's my personal gut feeling. But it does make sense. The Atlanta Braves would be a place that would make some sense. Well, you it's interesting you mentioned... Bueno's experience and his wealth of knowledge and what that could do to his staff and not only what he could give them from a pitching standpoint, kind of fill that Cole Hamels role for for the Braves, but Mike Soroka, as you mentioned, they lost him to that Achilles. And in the article, they talked about how Soroka, after this happened, one of the first people he corresponded with was Adam Wainwright and that they have that relationship yep. and that they're looking at Adam Wainwright and the value he brings to this team as much more than, hey, he's going to go out there and he's going to give you a strong outing. They're looking at him as a mentor and a guy with this wealth of experience that can help guide along this staff. I would say the same exact thing you just said could be applied to Yachty too. Absolutely. And so what's the value with that? Now Yachty's still elite defensively as we've seen. Now the numbers didn't bear that out sabermetrically as we found out through the gold glove process. However, the intangibles of leading a staff and how important was a catcher in postseason play? It's immeasurable how important that is. And so that's why I would think that the value for Yachty going to a winning situation, and believe me, he wants to win. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt he wants to win. We all know that. Yeah, and <laughs> it's it's important. You know, those guys, they bring so much to the table, Michelle, just being around the, the club like I am in terms of helping these young players along. And so back to Wayno, it began with like Chris Carpenter. When Chris Carpenter got to St. Louis, um, a lot of that was built on what he meant because he was physically awesome, but teaching young guys what to do. And he learned that from like David Wells and Roger Clemens when he was in Toronto. He brought it to St. Louis, now passes on to Wayno, Wayno passing on to Flaherty, so on and so forth. Those things are important. And now what's the price tag on those? I don't know. I mean, John Mozalock would have to answer that, and he would know specifically for his club what that would mean or other presidents of baseball operations. But they still can play, too, as we found out this year. So it's fascinating to see what other clubs value those guys at. And then what is the value for legacy here in St. Louis? And that's what I think you're looking at since this has all kind of come to a head, which is now they're free agents. I also think about how we felt in St. Louis watching Randy Rose Arena do what he did on the postseason stage. And that's a guy that Cardinals fans barely got a taste of. Imagine Adam Wainwright going to Atlanta, a postseason team, and doing anything like what he did in St. Louis in 2020. And on every broadcast, you have to hear about how Adam Wainwright is the veteran anchor of this team and how his personality and his leadership has helped the Braves take one more step towards a championship. Can you imagine how, or Yadier Molina, if he goes to the Yankees or the White Sox, wherever he- Or the Mets. Or the Mets, wherever he goes. Can you imagine- how that would feel for Cardinals fans to watch them do that somewhere else? Yeah, I think 
too, when I look at Yachty's situation, I'm not sure there's anybody there now as it pertains to just, you know, filling the spot that's to his level. That kid, you need him. That's the other thing. You know, I, I looked at it this way. When you had 11 doubleheaders and Matt Wieters was kind of hobbling around and you knew he was going to play in the back end of doubleheaders um, and Andrew Kisner wasn't here, that tells me that they probably don't think Kisner is ready. Mm -hmm. So now we may find out one way or another because he may leave, Yachty may leave, but that just told me in here in 2019 and 2020 that he's just not ready because we saw him in 2019. We saw him in 2020. And there's still great value to the person and the player that Yadier Molina is to the Cardinals and to his legacy, which is very important. And the same thing with Wayno. These guys were still getting it done. I also think if you're going to be a team whose identity is built on pitching, what does that pitching staff look like when you remove Yadier Molina from the equation? A guy who part of the reason why you've been able to have such great success with all of these young pitchers is because of the game that he calls and the way that he guides them through this. How many young guys have said, oh boy. I have so much trust in Yadi. I know that I'm going to go out there and he's going to lead me. I just follow his lead. I think it was something like I looked it up. He had caught like 175 to 200 different pitchers in his career. Wow. And then you think about a year this season with all these debuts, Sanchez, Chris Matt, Oviedo, list goes on and on and on. Um, how important that was to have somebody to guide the staff. And again, that will not show up in your stat sheet, but man, is it important. Um, Cardinals do have a young catcher that they really like that's probably a year and a half to two years away. And I saw him in spring training and he looks like a stud. Herrera. This, yeah, this bridges the gap to him. Um, Kisner, you, I guess, would find out if Yachty left, he would be your guy unless they go out on the market and get somebody. But I just think this is the place for both of them. I, I want to see him finish here. I think it would be important for fans to see him finish here. I hope it happens. I understand there's a business side to it, but, man, they bring an awful lot to the table. Just And, and this is not, you know, everybody knows this, but community-wise, legacy-wise, finishing a career in St. Louis. And, oh, by the way, they still can play. That's right. So, you know, Wayno, if he left, there's a lot of young pitching in the pipe. They've got it. And I'm not saying you're not going to miss him because you would miss him. Um, Yachty, I'm just not sure who's next unless you go out on the free agency market and find somebody. So both of them have a lot of check marks in the box of bringing them back. That makes sense for the Cardinals, too. It's going to be fascinating to see it how is. this plays out. It really is. I'm yeah. sure this is not going to be the last time we talk about this either. But that is Danny Mack. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, we are going to talk a little blues hockey with the blues play-by-play voice here on 101 ESPN. It's Chris Kerber, and he joins us next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Dan McLaughlin is in for Randy Character today, but let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in the voice of the St. Louis Blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber is with us. Good morning, Kerbs. How are you doing today? I'm good, Michelle. How are you? We are doing well. And Dan and I were just talking last segment about Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina and what this team would be missing if they, in fact, move on and join other teams in 2021. So I kind of want to ask you the same question about Alex Petrangelo. While we know the Blues went out and they acquired Tory Krug, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be a huge gap on the ice from a Petro to Krug and, and the defensive standpoint, what do you think is the number one thing the Blues are going to be missing with Alex Petrangelo off the team? 
I think there's going to be a gap. I, I think the gap will be on the defensive side of the puck, and, and I think what you're hoping for is that, you know, whatever percentage difference it is in quality of, uh, of the defensive side between uh, Petrangelo and Krug, that's made up in increased level of play by Pareko, Scandella, and Justin Falk. And and then you know honestly uh, on top of that, uh, you know I I think very specifically one area that the Blues are going to miss with Alex Petrangelo gone. I don't know if there was a better defenseman in the league when it came to clearing the puck out of the corners or something on on the penalty kill. I really do believe that. Uh, so there'll be some adjustments, but you know I don't honestly I don't look at this one the same as those other two when we're talking about cornerstone franchise player. I mean if Alex. If Alex had signed another six or seven year deal and we got into year five of that, then we're talking the same thing to me. But um, I'm sitting as a Cardinal fan hoping, like, oh, heck, both those guys are back. And I don't see any reason uh, not to bring them back, to be honest with you. Curbs, uh, as you can imagine, by the way, good to hear your voice. Um, as you can imagine, a lot of people listening are going, okay, I, I would be into hockey right now, but there is no season going on right now. What is the latest that you're hearing in terms of maybe starting in early January or February, and what would that season look like in terms of alignment, length, those kind of things? Dan, the crazy part about this is is you're absolutely right. I mean, we're in a window now where people would be watching hockey games during the week. You get your NFL on the weekends. You get your uh, NBA starting to maybe head into camps and things and are really getting fired up now at the beginning of the month. Um, but uh, but we don't have that. And, and the honest the honest to goodness answer to everything you just asked, I don't know. Yeah. And and I'm telling you, and and the players don't know. I talked to two players last week that have not been told a thing in terms of when this could start. I know there's got to be obviously discussions behind it, but even at a board of governors level, you know, I'm 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 told that nothing solid is being presented yet. In terms, so they're still looking through scenarios here. I think you have to, if if you're a fan, if you're us, you're me, you're you, you're Michelle, you got to look at this. Like just just throw some common sense into this. Starting and playing a season without fans doesn't seem likely, does it? I mean, just the amount of money lost and is 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 just crazy, you know. And and the the TV revenue alone isn't going to be enough to carry it. So. I got to think the league is looking at any scenario that's possible to delay as long as possible until they can put some level of fans in the building. And even then you've got to wonder where is that threshold of how many fans or or not. So I I still think they're working through too many uncertainties to come out with anything. And I'm okay with this because rather than them come out with something that they're going to have to change in a matter of two weeks or three weeks, I'd rather them just kind of, Keep it like they did going into the return to play and come out when we know exactly what could happen. Curbs, if you're talking to players about this scenario, what's it like for them? Just kind of waiting around, not knowing when things are going to pick up. Are guys kind of staying around St. Louis, hoping that, you know, if they're working out, that they can eventually get the call and then jump right back into action? What what has it been like for players to not know? Uh, It is a mix of both. It's been, and and frustrating is the word that I, I heard three different times last week from them. Uh, it's what's frustrating is they just don't know, like they just don't know how to train right now. You know, like if, if it's going to be two and a half more months, you may not, you you won't train the same way as if it's, the things are going to open up in a month or a month and a half. And, and I, and so ramping up is one of the things that, you know, that, that creeps into there. 
you know, for the guys that are moving cities or coming in, when do you come in? When does Troy Crew make an official move? You know, does he have to make a move now? You know, when, and then, and then from a family standpoint, it's when does, you know, when do you finally make that, that physical move to get you through the mental part that you've changed teams, things like that. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of uncertainty going on. And it's, I mean, and look, it's, it's not no more uncertain than I think what, obviously what, you know, what, what the radio stations dealt with, what Dan you've dealt with, with Cardinal games and the Cardinal season, what, you know, what, what, you know, waiters, waitresses, uh, restaurants, retail, what they're all dealing with. So much of it is just uncertain that you just try to go day to day and see where it goes. Right now they're just waiting to figure out, okay, what are the so many different scenarios that we could play with, and then how are they going to communicate and work with the PA to figure out which one of those is the right one? Is there And, and the one thing, well, well I was going to say, Dan, and this will relate to you, like the, the one thing you do have to wonder, okay, and baseball got a bad rap when they went back to play and they were dealing with, you know, uh, prorated salaries and all that stuff. I'm curious in the NBA and in the NHL now, because it wasn't a problem for those two leagues before, because they had already played 90% of their seasons and their full salaries had already been paid out. It's now a scenario in play for the NBA and the NHL, depending on the lengths of their season. I'm curious how that part of things will play out. Yeah, you just led me into my next question, which is we don't know what the length of a season may be. So even if it's January or February, and all of a sudden then, if you're not playing 82 and you're playing, uh, I'm going to throw an arbitrary number, 62 games or whatever the case may be, um, you, you have to negotiate that. So has that been talked about or is that being talked about now just to, in case they get that green light to say, hey, here's how we're going to do it. This is prorated. And would the PA then say, yep, yeah, okay, we'll do that. Or is that going to be a real tough stumbling block to get over? Well, I, I think that it could be a more difficult negotiation than what we saw. The good news is, is there was a real sense of cooperation, and somehow in the return-to-play scenario back in August, the league and the Players Association walked out of that with a four-year extension to the CBA. Now, were provisions put into that for a game-shortened 2021 season? I don't know that, but it is something that is going to be – look, it's not realistic to think you could play 52 games and, and pay a full $81 million per team out in salary cap. I, I just That I don't see as realistic at all. So I think there's going to have to be some adjustments in there somewhere, and, and we'll have to wait and see how that goes and how that gets leveraged. And, you know, baseball went through it, and we'll have to see how now these other leagues that are going to have to play midseason do it. Now there's one aspect of the return to play. that I've, I've been saying this for a little while. I know one of the things that makes it interesting is if, if you think that, okay, well, if your main TV contract is with NBC and they're going to go to the Olympics, you know, that third week of July. So you've got to have the Stanley Cup done by then, and that squeezes it. said for a long time, I, the, the other scenario is at some point you negotiate with NBC and then you see if another network, since your contract is up anyway I'll come the end of this season, you see if another network is available to carry your Stanley Cup playoff games. And that gives you a chance to extend the season throughout the summer, if that's an option. Now, Bill Daly came out on Friday, I think it was, and alluded that that's a possibility as well. So I think the league is looking into scenarios from a television standpoint that doesn't box them into the corner to having to have the Stanley Cup final done by a certain date in July, which could squeeze the season and change the dynamic of it. And, and the one thing that I, I really do think the National Hockey League has tried to play everything and, and done it right 
they they are keeping every option open until they have no options left. And I guess as a fan, you've got to be encouraged by that. Is there a preference, Curbs, as we wrap it up to have a full season, um, no matter what, even if it would end in you know late July, August, or is it more important to get back on what would be a normal schedule? Let's hope beginning next year and just take the hit this year with a shortened season. I think the answer to that would depend on when we say take the hit, what is the hit? Yeah. And what 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 can be negotiated with the hit? If if the hit can be really minimized by extending your season, then you're going to do that. And then you take another season or two to get yourself back into a calendar range that you would like. Uh, but I would think they would prefer to play as long a season as possible. And frankly, the longer you could delay the playoffs, Dan, and potentially get a vaccine and fans in the stands, that's a positive. So I, I think that would be their first preference if they could find a, a, a mode and a system to do it. Great stuff, Curbs. Thanks so much for the information and the conversation, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Have a terrific start to your week. Thank you. That is Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. And coming up next... It's the fight. Oh, yeah. And it's Danny Mack versus one lucky challenger. I'm walking out. (laughs) We'll see if they can take down Dan. That's next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drama. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman with you. Randy Carriker is out today. He's celebrating his love with his wife. It's his anniversary. So happy anniversary to Randy. Happy anniversary, Randy. If you're listening, um, take the day off. He is off. Keep taking the day off. Spend time with uh, spend time with your wife. Spend time with your lovely wife. And because Randy is out today, that means Danny Mack, Dan McLaughlin, is going to do the fight. We figure... He's, he's been in this biz a long time. He's got a lot of information in that brain. That's right. So he would be a better opponent than I would. So, Chris, good morning. Thanks for being with us. And how do you feel about taking on Danny Mack and not Randy today? Well, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, I feel like I have a chance, at least, with Danny <laughs> here. But well, I, I don't know. I'll Danny's see. pretty smart, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know you. I know you. Chris, are you a baseball Randy, guy? Randy's Randy, though. Yeah, that's true. Randy is Megamind. But, Chris, are you a baseball guy? Uh, no. So oh, well. That's what, that, that's what I was worried about. Well, today <laughs> might not be your day, Chris. Just giving you a heads well, up. But at least you I get the options. get me by. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get cracking here. Question number one, Chris. Which player has the most postseason hits of all time? Is it Derek Jeter, Manny Ramirez, or David Ortiz? Um, I feel like Derek Jeter's the easy one. Let's do David Ortiz. Question number two for you, Chris. Since 2010, how many times have the Cardinals won the NL Central? Four, five, or six? So what year you said? Since 2010, how many times have the Cardinals won the NL Central? Four times, five times, or six times? Five. Okay, Chris, question number three. What year was Colton Wong drafted in the first round by the St. Louis Cardinals? 
2011, 2012, or 2013? Uh, 2013. And your final question, Chris. Which National League team drafted Adam Wainwright in the 2000 MLB draft? Was it the Atlanta Braves, the Oakland A's, or the Toronto Blue Jays? Atlanta Braves? Final answer, Chris? You had a little question mark at the end there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. We're checking score here. Dan is sitting on this window still, so I don't know if you can see us coming in. Okay, Chris, you're not a baseball guy, but how do you feel after you heard the questions? Uh, Not not great. (laughs) I I knew the people you were talking about, at least. What's your sport, then, (laughs) if you're not a baseball guy in St. Louis? Oh, I'm a hockey, football kind of guy. Uh-huh. But, I mean, yeah, I'm from St. Louis, but and you almost have to be a Cardinal fan to be in, from St. Louis, and I am, but I'm just not big on the sport in general. Interesting. Well, Dan is getting settled in. Dan, say good morning to Chris. Chris, good morning. You have a great shot. <laughs> Randy's not here, so yeah. this is your lucky day. I don't know about that. But, oh, uh, I, I do. I do. But go ahead. Let's fire away. Let's do it. Thanks for playing, Chris, and thanks for listening. All right. Thanks. Okay, Dan, do you want the question and the answers or just the question? Do you want to do it Randy style or do you want to do it with the answers? Uh, I'll just do, I'll do Randy style. Okay. I'll embarrass myself. Then that means you get one lifeline, okay? Okay. All right. Question number one for you, Dan. Which player has the most postseason hits of all time? Oh, it's got to be a Yankee. It's got to be recent. They had that unbelievable run. I'll go with the captain, Derek Jeter. All right, question number two, Dan. Since 2010, how many times have the Cardinals won the NL Central? Since 2010. Okay, so the Cardinals got in in 11. Let me just do the numbers here. They got in 11. (laughs) They got in 12. They got in 13, 15. So 2011, 12, 13. Uh, but one of those is a wild card. They won the division two years ago. I'll go five. Dan, what year was Colton Wong drafted in the first round by the Cardinals? Uh, he made his appearance that fateful night getting picked off in 13. Didn't take him long to get there. He was originally drafted by the Twins, I believe. Uh, but you're asking the Cardinals, right? Yes. The year. Yes. Uh, so 13 was going to pick that. I'll go 2011. And your final question, Dan. Which National League team drafted Adam Wainwright in the 2000 MLB draft? I will say the Atlanta Braves. We have got a winner. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Yeah, we'll need to get a new sounder with your name on it to make it official. Chris, you called it, my man. You're not a baseball guy, and this fight certainly got you. Dan beat you 3-1. to So let's run through the answers here. The player with the most postseason hits of all time is the captain, Derek Jeta, with 200. Since 2010, the Cardinals have won the National League Central four times. You were very close, Dan. Uh, 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2019. So what was 11 was the wild card... Right. 12 was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that, so 13, 14, eight, yep. All right. You were close. We don't do math on the show, though. I got you. Okay. Colton Wong was drafted in 2011 
in the first round by the Cardinals. He was pick number 22. And the National League team that drafted Adam Wainwright in the 2000 Major League Baseball draft was the Atlanta Braves. Chris, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for playing. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. All right, that is the fight here on 101 ESPN. And coming up next, we are going to talk some more Cardinals baseball with the great Mike Claiborne. He joins Danny Mack and I next here on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carriker is taking the day off to celebrate his anniversary. So we have Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the Cardinals on Fox Sports Midwest, and Scoops with Danny Mack sitting in for Randy today. And let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Dan and I, one of our favorite guys is joining us right now. It's Cardinals announcer. And, of course, check out his great work at ClabesOnline.com. Mike Claiborne is with us. Claibs, good morning. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Well, good morning to you, Michelle. And, uh, Dan, I guess this is an official conversation we're going to have, huh? I guess it is. Boy, we solved the uh, world's problems and we're not on the air. I can tell you that. How you doing, buddy? No doubt. I'm good, man. You know, he's right, folks. You know, Danny and I talk a lot, and we just about got everything figured out. Yeah, I think we do. Yeah. So I got to, yeah. you know, I got to ask you sports questions, though. Okay, All you right, ready for those? All right, let's go to the phones, and Dan is standing by. Dan, you're on the air. <laughs> okay, we'll go to Klaibs and wherever Klaibs is at. And you're a world traveler. God knows where you're at, so I don't know. But um, I'm assuming you're in St. Louis, right? I am in St. Okay. Louis. Yes, I am. Okay. So everybody's asking about Yachty and Wayno as you might imagine, and Colton Wong. But we'll start with Yachty and Wayno. What, what do you think happens with those two guys moving forward? I, I think that they find their way back here. Um, I, I, think you, you, I think you have to be creative with, with how you structure the contracts, but I, I think to allow those two to move on, especially when you don't have anything behind them to replace them at this point, I think is, it's, it's paramount. Uh, you you can't give away a season um, because of finances. I mean, fans expect you to put a competitive product on the field. And, and you know, at some point, maybe they don't play as much, <clears throat> uh, but I, I think you have to make a way to, to make it happen. And I think you give them a respectable base salary. You plug in uh, some incentives to get them to a number that they're really comfortable with. And I think in Yachty's case, if you get to that number, then maybe we roll it over in the next year where you get that, that second year of a contract. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a doable deal. And I don't think it's going to break the bank, especially when you have $11.5 million sitting around now because you didn't sign Colton Wong. Now, I know you have some arbitrations to come up, but I think those two guys are important to get. Klaibs, we can look at this scenario with – Yachty and Wayno from many different lenses. Certainly the financials is one. What they give you on the field is another. But how about the excitement factor of having these two legends on the field and the identity of this team? I keep thinking, if you remove Adam Wainwright and Yachty or Molina from the St. Louis Cardinals, what's their identity? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you don't have a face of the team, really. And let's face it, the Cardinals, and I think baseball, will be in a serious competition with the other sports in recruiting fans uh, because the NBA and the NHL will be in full swing. Um, you know, you're going to see some other things unfold. So I don't think the Cardinals or any team in baseball can just sit back and say, hey, come watch us play because we're the only game in town. Come watch us play because you didn't see us last year. I think you have to have some sizzle, and I think you need to have somebody who's representative of your organization I don't think you can say, hey, come watch our kids. I don't think anybody's going to go for that one. And I think the best example would be when they are announced on opening day, the, the ovations go like this. McGee, 
Wayno, Yachty, or you know what, Wayno, Yachty, Tide. I I think that what those two guys have meant to St. Louis on and off the field, uh, I I think is a huge, huge chip that Cardinals have to use at this point because I think fans are going to be hard to get back in, in a lot of ballparks. You know, Mike, you and I were talking last week. I was surprised, and I guess I, I shouldn't be, and I'm, I'm wrong about this. I was surprised they did not pick up the option on Wong, thinking that, well, you buy yourself some time, and then if you needed to have payroll uh, flexibility or relief, you could trade him by opening day. But maybe the market is going to say there is not a market in 2021 for a guy that is a great defender, had a 675 OPS. That's the down part for a team that's in yeah. search of offense. But here's this great defender, and he goes on the market, and maybe that should be an indication of what we all should get ready for. Brad Hand this weekend becomes available. Colton Wong. I mean, there's going to be some big names out there. So as it pertains to Wong, um, I don't know. I, I, I was wrong, but what did you think about that? I, I was like you. I was a little surprised because I think for a team that doesn't score a lot of runs, you better be good defensively. You darn sure better be good up the middle. Uh, whoever the Cardinals plug in at second base won't be as good defensively as Colton Wong. And unless you're going to go out and find a lot more offense to maybe win some games seven to five or five to four or something along that line, I think it's going to be tough. And, you know, I know that John Mosellock mentioned that, you know, Tommy Edmond would, would get a look at that position. I don't know about you, Dan. I, I can't remember more than 10 games in the last two seasons Tommy Edmonds played second base. Yeah. So I don't know what to expect. Uh, you know, does that mean he's got to run to Florida now and work with Paul DeYoung as as much as Cole Wong did as far as a double play combination? Uh, I understood the move to a point, not necessarily on board with it, because I think you really leave yourself open. Now, one of the other options you have is maybe if you decide to move DeYoung the third and you go out and find a, an affordable shortstop, they can play some defense and swing the bat a little bit. That might help. But then the next question is, what do you do with Matt Carpenter? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, everybody's been waiting on him to turn it around. I think we're going on four years now. And, oh, by the way, he's going to be 35. I just don't see that many 35-year-olds having a renaissance um, season. So there, there are a lot of things that go into this that I'm just going to sit back and kind of wait and see how things unfold. But, to your original point, Dan, it's going to be haywire this offseason with regard to all the free agents that are out there. And I'll be shocked if we have more than a half a dozen that get more than a one-year deal. Claves, if the Cardinals do not go outside and make some moves, they are going to watch the market develop. Bill DeWitt III was on with Ribs and BK here on 101 ESPN last week, and he talked about being patient and seeing how things unfold. But if they don't go out and make some external moves, are you confident that what this club has right now with the talent that they have and another year with the Jeff Albert approach that they're going to be able to improve internally from an offensive standpoint? Well, you know... I always say you got to be better than the last game, the next year than you were your last game you lost. And I think, again, I'd, I'd probably have to wait and see. Um, this whole thing may not come together until the last minute. Yep. But I, I think the bigger issue here is if Rob Manfred and Tony Clark aren't sitting in a room with three different plans on the board on how to get a collective bargaining agreement done, then shame on baseball because it's the biggest issue at hand aside from the pandemic. And, and the pandemic, I, I think that most feel like maybe by the spring we'll have a better handle on it. Maybe you move the season back a month. 
Maybe you do some things differently. Maybe they let Dan McLaughlin and Mike Claiborne travel next year. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know either. I, I think, I, I think the, the issue here is, you know, you have a lot of uncertainty. And, and obviously the owners are going to tell you that they lost money, and, and, and I would agree with them. But I think you have to have a contingency plan on your CBA where this is one section of the CBA that we have to be able to come back and revisit. The other elements with respect to free agency and arbitration and all the other things that guys want to roll up their sleeves and go to war over, let's address those now. And then if we can have certain things in the CBA that would trigger a reopener with respect to the pandemic and its impact, but we got too much work to do in order to make sure that we have a viable 2022 season and and hopefully have a better partnership starting in 2021. You know, when you look at sports, the NBA has a partnership with its owners. The NHL has a partnership with its owners. The NFL has a, a, it's a relationship trending toward partnership. Baseball has the Hatfields and the McCoys, and we can't continue with this pace because it's not healthy for the game. It's not healthy for their fans. It's not healthy for the future. I'm fascinated, Klaibs, what the Cardinals do. I'm fascinated with baseball, and I think you hit the nail on the head. This thing may not come together until the very end. And we started our show, and Michelle was talking about this. I said, I think patience is going to be the number one thing. If you're a fan out there, and I know you don't want to hear it, but, and again, could be wrong. There could be some teams that jump on players right away because there's going to be deals. But as it pertains to the Cardinals, they've got to do a lot with their offense. And there's going to be guys coming up. They've got, uh, in terms of pitching, they've got what a lot of people want. I think it's going to be patience, maybe all the way into spring training. It could be that type of offseason if you're a Cardinal fan. Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. Um, If we haven't learned anything in the last nine months with respect to the pandemic, it's been patience. And I think our patience will be tried well in the 2021 and, you know, there may be one or two guys again. I think you're going to have a half a dozen guys maybe that gets more than a one-year deal. Uh, but I think that's going to be determined by where the owners feel this is heading. And you have some ownerships that are borrowing money. You have some ownerships that were financially secure enough where they felt like they could ride this out. But I think they're going to be unified in how they deal with this. Um, I don't think you're going to have a Banny Rooster owner that's going to run out and sign up everybody. I don't, I don't see that happening. But I do see some owners saying, hey, look, we're going to do some small deals, and we'll leave the big boys out there for later when we have a better understanding of where the market's headed. I, I'm really curious what you think about this. Um, it's not an Albert Pujols-type situation because Albert got 10 years and then the personal services agreement. You're talking about Yachty, future Hall of Famer. I think we all would agree on that. Uh, it's a two-year extension. I, I think they get it done, Klaibs. I really do, one way or another. And they need him. And I would say the same thing for Wayno. But as it pertains to Yachty, I really think they get this done. What do you think? Oh, I, I agree. I don't know whether you noticed our catching situation yes. wasn't as stellar as maybe we'd like for it to be. And and I've got to be honest with you. I don't know if Andrew Kisner can play or not. I mean, we, you and I have watched him in the minors, and we've watched him in limited duty but we've never seen him go for two or three weeks at a time. Uh, you know, he, he had been touted to be a very good offensive player who was working on being a better receiver. But, you know, after watching Yachty, Dan, it's going to be hard for us to make a comparison, yeah. not to mention the fact that can he call a game? How much help is he going to need? 
I don't know if he's the answer or not. He might be. Uh, there's going to be some other interesting short-term catchers out there on the market. I don't know if Matt Wieters can survive a month and a half, let alone a season, with the injuries and just maybe some of his diminishing skills. But he is a, a very good teacher of the game, and he works with young pitchers well. So he's got that working for him. But I don't think you want to start your season with that band makeup again. Clay's last thing before we let you go. We, of course, have to ask you about Tony LaRussa being hired as a Chicago White Sox manager. Some mixed reaction to the move nationally, but what was your reaction when you heard that Tony was getting back into the managing game? Well, I figured it would be it would happen at some point. Uh, my concern was, you know, at, at his age, you know, you know, the one thing, and Dan can attest to this, the one thing that catches up to you is travel and and the impact it can the toll it can take but tony's traveled all of his life i mean this is all he knows so maybe he's got a head start on that but here's the thing that i think everybody needs to take into account it wasn't like tony was sitting on the back porch learning how to be a better pinochle player or <laughs> learning how to net or fish or he or he was away from the game i mean tony worked for major league baseball he was president of a team he's been a consultant on with two other teams so he's watching as many games and probably more than he was when he was managing. So there's, there hasn't been anything that slipped under the radar that Tony would be surprised by. And I go back to the comparison of Dick Vermeil when Dick Vermeil walked away from coaching and then was a broadcaster and then thought he could walk in on day one and be an NFL coach. And he was rudely uh, awakened by the fact he didn't have a clue about a lot of things that were going on in the NFL, especially free agency. I don't think that's the case with Tony. He's got some good young players. I think the key for Tony's success is having a very solid, cohesive staff that can be the buffer and make sure that the work is done and make sure that they give Tony good sound advice about certain things that they see on a more internal level. But if you think that Tony LaRusso is taking a job he doesn't think he can win at, then you really don't know Tony LaRusso. I think that he's going to make the White Sox in the city of Chicago hop for sure this year. That's Mike Claiborne. Claibs, thank you so much for the great conversation and the great information. Be sure to check out his great work at ClaibsOnline.com. We appreciate you taking the time. Michelle, good visiting with you. Dan, I guess we'll have an afternoon tea yes. and we'll <laughs> chat it up again about something else. But it's always great to visit with you guys and uh, call anytime. You know, Thanks for the time today. Claims, get your uh, notes ready on the election. We'll have to have a, you know, talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we got, get your pandemic yeah, we, notes you know, ready, too. I got to, yeah, I got to get some polling results in here in just a bit. So, uh, and then I got to go watch some more of these political ads. You know, I don't know about you, and I know we're short on time. I will be so glad tomorrow gets here, oh, yes. or really Wednesday, so I will not have to see one more ad on TV or hear one on radio. Well, it has just driven me bonkers. You know, I better not bring it up here. We'll we'll address that later, Claves. Okay, <laughs> all right. Just get your notes you guys ready. Have a great day. You got it. You too, Claves. To be a fly on the wall for that conversation, Dan. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, we talk about everything except baseball. And if we do, it gets to the very end. Hey, by the way, what do you think they should do with Molina? You know, man, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> That's claims. We talk about everything other than baseball. I love him. He's a great, great friend, one of my best friends, and uh, love him to death. He is the best. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, we're going to talk more Cardinals baseball, what they should do this offseason. Today's big thing is next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and Dan McLaughlin here with you. Danny Mackin for Randy Character today. And we just had a great conversation with Cardinals announcer Mike Claiborne. Dan and I want to carry over what we were talking about with Claibs. We've been talking a lot about Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright and the importance of them to this Cardinals team and if the Cardinals will be able to find a way to bring them back. But I wonder if they are being conservative financially and they're seeing how the market will develop, if they're looking at signing both of those guys, if that might prohibit them financially from going out and maybe in some way improving the offense. Yeah, I I do think the relief of the $11.5 million off of Wong's deal helps. Um, But I also think, I go back to this, Michelle, I think Wayno and as it pertains to the Cardinals and Molina are two different guys. So it's, they are, if they were on the open market, which they are for other teams, you pay them the value that they're worth where for the Cardinals, it's worth more. I mean, there's the legacy thing. There's all that stuff. And because of that, and because of what we're dealing with now, I do think that there are going to be bargains to be had these one year deals. So normally if you were going to go after player X and it would cost you a bundle, I don't see that happening this year. I, I I mean, there'll be some players that do, and that may happen early with teams that will spend money. I think the Mets are going to spend a lot of money with new ownership. Yankees are always right. going to be in the middle of things. Dodgers could be there. But then everybody else, it's going to be these one-year bargains and trying to then reassess the market from a player's perspective and for the team. So you get that one-year deal. Would it prohibit them from doing that? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I, I you know, I, I think they can still manage Wainwright, Molina, and then addressing the offense. Now, having said that, I think you also have to get creative. You know, as currently constructed, who is there on opening day? There could be some guys that are traded away if you, if there are takers for certain players that they have. They have depth in their minor league system. They could trade some of those guys away if you're looking to get somebody in. I'm not saying they would do that because I think they want to keep their pitching the way it is. Mm-hmm. But they do have the commodity that everybody wants pitching that's right and a lot of it i also wonder what it's going to be like for bueno and yadi to be fielding these calls from other teams and to be coveted elsewhere we talked earlier on the show about the piece in the athletic where sources told ken rosenthal and david o'brien that the braves are in on adam wainwright in the piece they wainwright was quoted as saying they've received many calls from teams or listening to many options you have yadi or molina posting on instagram saying where do i go my people with the shrug emoji so clearly they're fielding calls and they're understanding that other teams want them and i wonder what that's like for them for the first time to realize hey if i wanted to try something else this is my opportunity will certainly be fun to be loved right yeah and you're getting plenty of love um and you can't ever discount the ego factor for too. sure yeah. with anybody not only just professional athletes but with anybody Everybody. yeah you want to be wanted right you want to be wanted um i think though they were braced for this knowing what was going to happen with the marketplace and certainly you would have to think that there were conversations with the cardinals in the front office saying, hey, we're, we're kind of assessing the market. Obviously, we want you back, but let us get settled in to where they don't have to make that decision right now. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I think that you do get braced for what is happening to them, becoming free agents and seeing what is out there. And, you know, that's the danger of it. That's when you hit that open market and teams start calling and saying, hey, you're the guy. We love you. Here's a bunch of money. Yeah. That's enticing for anybody in any walk of life, any walk of business that any man or woman is there and they're a free agent and they say, hey, by the way, you have a chance to go to company X and they really want you. Big time. And here's what we're offering. It's enticing. It is. But they also realize, both of them, what it means to be here in town and what their legacy is. And it 
it would not tarnish their legacy in my mind. If they went somewhere else, I would hate to see it, but they're still always going to be Cardinals. It's the tail end of their careers. Even if they go win a World Series with somebody else, then they were that missing piece. Fine. But they're still always going to be Cardinals. They're still going to be Red Jacket guys, and they're going to go into, Yachty will go into the Hall of Fame with a Cardinal hat. Sure. Um, But again, it's, that's the game of chicken. You're, that's the danger of going out in the open market is that these teams are going to say, we love you. Here you go. Here's the package. And that's what becomes so enticing for players when they hit free agency. It's risky. What an interesting offseason for the Cardinals. They have so many questions. You really could go around the horn. And is Goldie the only thing that you would really write in Sharpie that you don't have any questions about anything else? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, even Mike was talking about, you know, DeYoung maybe to third. You know, that's an option potentially. Um, is Tommy Edmond penciled in as your everyday second baseman? I'm not so sure that's the case mm-hmm. because Tommy Edmond played a lot of the outfield too. And if you're not getting production out of your outfield guys with the current construction of the lineup, it, you're not necessarily saying he's in Sharpies your second baseman. Now, I think he's your best option currently constructed. And by the way, he's a good defender, really good defender, and he's really good at second base. He's not Colton Wong, but he's... I'm not sure who is, but he's really good. He's going to be fine. Um, So, yeah, I think it's fascinating to see how they put this, all the pieces to the puzzle together. First and foremost, as I said last week, was Wong. Do you pick up the option or not? Well, they didn't. Now the next two guys, the big dominoes, they got to fall one way or another, Yachty and and Wayno. And I'm not saying they're a package deal either. Like I said before, I could see them going different spots for different teams. Like the Braves, they need pitching help. You look at the Yankees or the Mets, they would want a catcher. Um, Maybe Anaheim, the Los Angeles Angels, you know, catching would be something that they would look at. Now, it certainly is fun to talk about. Like Wayno said, yeah, we talked about being together and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not so sure that that's in stone just yet, that that's, you know, written in sharpie as you said that oh these guys are together I, I i'm not buying that i'm sure in a in a perfect world they would love that to yeah. go somewhere together sure. because they've been connected for so long but they know that this is a business and they respect each other and are always going to be tight so i i have no doubt that if they if yadi said hey i have this great offer for the cardinals and bueno says i think i'm going to go with the braves that they would be like good luck brother yeah i agree i i think so and if you're a team out there that needs that final piece especially catcher. Boy, you got to look hard at Yachty. Yep. I mean, I, I, I understand he's 38. I understand there's a lot of mileage on that body, but he continues to play at a high level and the value that you can put on him defensively. So what you get offensively, I think is a bonus, but what you get, what he means to a staff, especially when it's crunch time, postseason play, he's been there. There's a lot of value to that for a lot of teams. You have anybody who's ever worked with him, ever pitched to him, ever been a pitching coach, a manager, talk about the intangibles that he brings, the way that he works his staff, the way that his his work ethic, the way he scouts pitchers and looks for any minor minuscule tell or ways that he can exploit a hitter. I wonder what that would be like for other teams and other organizations to have him come in there and see what he is able to do. It will probably blow their minds on a lot of levels. Could you imagine if he was the Tampa Bay catcher and Kevin Cash came out to take out (sighs) Snell? Now, he made that move right away, and it was he was done. I mean, that was a sabermetric move. He was going to do it. But I would have at least liked to have seen a conversation on the mound with my catcher, my pitcher, and the manager 
and say, look, the book is telling me to do this, but I'm seeing some stuff that's you're, you're on fire tonight. You got nine strikeouts. They haven't hit your fastball. And by the way, the top three coming up are hitless against you with a bunch of strikeouts. You don't think you want the input of a Yadier Molina to say, hey, Skip, by the way, this guy, I got it. We got this. Yeah. We don't make that move yet. You know, now if we run into trouble and it backfires, fine. You know, do what you got to do. But right now, I want the input of a guy like Yadier Molina that can help you out in those kind of situations. He is like a coach or a manager. Many times, Michelle, you could see him look into the dugout with Mike Schilt, or you see those two talk in between innings. And Mike said to me the other day on our show, he said he sees the game better than I do, sees the game better than most managers. So those are the kind of things that if you're looking for that guy and he gets you over the hump, he's the guy. And that's what makes this really difficult if he hits the open market with big deals. But will organizations value that voice yes. as much? If if the analytics are going one way, and this is the formula that we have done all season to get us this, to this point, but then we have Yadier Molina, oh, yeah. who sees the game better than anybody, saying, keep him in. If you're a manager, what do you do? Well, I think the direction after watching Kevin Cash, I would hope that there would be more baseball people saying that clearly wasn't a good move. Now it's been overshadowed by what happened with Justin Turner, but we'd be talking about that more so than anything else that happened in the world series is why would you make that move? That's what we do. We second guess. That's part of the job. But I would hope that there's a trend in baseball after watching that to say, you know what? The numbers are the numbers. I get it. And there's a place for him, but man, I got to go with eye tests sometimes. You know, I got to go with some common sense here and listen to my players. And if there's anybody that you're going to listen to, it's guys that have been there before, like a Yachty. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. You know, so I would hope that's the trend in baseball. We'll see. But man, oh, man, I just uh, that move is wow. And if I got Yachty saying, hey, and he's the guy that's got the cachet to do it, to say, don't do this. Don't don't then that's the guy that I listen to. And he's got cachet more so than so many others in the game. He really does. That's a good point. That's Sam McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. We're going to be talking a little bit more Cardinals baseball coming up in the hour. We're going to speak to Ryan Fagan. But coming up next, it's your Killing Me Smalls. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN on this sunny Monday. The weather look, looks like it's great outside, Dan. It's supposed to warm up, but not, I don't think today. I think it's supposed to be great for election day. So for everybody getting out there, whether it's here or nationally, wherever you're taking in the show and you're going to vote, make sure you vote. Make sure you vote. Um, it's supposed to be nice weather. So That's tons good. of votes as we wait for the election to finish. <laughs> I'm ready for it to be over. Me too. Yeah. One way or another, let's go. One way or another, it will be over soon, hopefully. Like Flaves was saying, enough of the ads, had enough. I'm just ready for it to be over. I'm I'm pretty much ready for the pandemic to end too. Yeah. I'll throw that in there too. 2020. Just just 20, let's get to 21. Yeah, I'm with that too. The countdown is on. Yeah. I'm in. killing me, small. Okay, Dan. So we were all looking forward to that big Steelers-Ravens game this weekend. We know that this is a big rivalry game. I watched it. Good game. Good game. Yeah. And you have to love rivalries, especially ones in the NFL, because it feels like rivalries, you know, of course you have Bears, Packers, you have some rivalries, but others tend to kind of 
simmer down. Yeah, for they're sure. not they're not if as the in- personnel changes, it simmers down. Yeah, it's not as intense as it used to be. But Baltimore certainly helped raise the stakes between the Steelers Ravens rivalry. So here's what happened. A Baltimore television station, WJZ, they put up this billboard right where the Steelers bus had to pass to get to the stadium. And it shows Big Ben on his back after taking a sack in a previous Ravens Steelers games with the words, Welcome back, Ben, underneath the pictures. So the way I look at it, if you're going to have a great rivalry in any sport, you have to have a great villain. Mm-hmm. And so Big Ben would be the villain. I like the idea of doing it. It would be interesting to see, like, um, like in baseball, you'd have, hey, Chris Bryant, welcome to our town. Have a great weekend. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Right. You know, we have fun here or something like that. You got to have a villain. So Big Ben's the villain. I love Big Ben. He's the villain. I think it makes a lot of sense to put him on his back if you're Baltimore, and it adds to it. So I'm all about it. Yeah, I guess I'm all about it. Chris Bryant is the villain in the Cardinals Cubs yes. rivalry because he called St. Louis boring. Correct. And then from the Cubs perspective, it's Yachty, right? Absolutely. It's any um we when we go to any of these cities and they say, you know, batting fifth, catcher number four, <laughs> Yachty or Molina. And it's just boo, you know, I mean, especially Cincinnati. Really? Oh yeah, of course. Wrigley for sure. Uh, Pittsburgh, eh, when they were going well, yeah, and they were packing the place. Yeah, there was a lot of booze there. Who am I missing? I got to be missing somebody. Um, Milwaukee? Oh, yeah, Milwaukee's all over Yachty. Yachty just has a lot of good moments against a lot of these teams, so you you become a good villain. So I go back to the uh, La Russa days. That That was a perfect team if you're on the opposition to hate, if you're a fan. Yachty, Albert, Tony, Dave Duncan, Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland. There's a lot of villains on that team if you're on the opposite side. A lot of them. And if you're cheering for that team, you love those guys. Oh, yeah, you eat it up. Everything that makes them villainous to opposing teams endears them to you. Absolutely. That's what I love about it. It it was fun being with those teams and knowing they were going to go into cities and just wipe them up. I mean, they were dominating in the mid-2000s, early 2000s, those teams. Dominating them. I mean, you go into Pittsburgh, they were going to win three or four. They went into Wrigley Field. They were going to probably win. Or the series, because at that time, Chicago was pretty good, was going to be really heated. Those were fun. I miss that. That's what I miss about the crowds and the things and that atmosphere of it is just got to have good villains. So I love good villains. Me too. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, Dan. Well, Jay Glazer was on Fox Fox's NFL pregame show yesterday, and he dropped an interesting nugget. So we know Antonio Brown and Tom Brady are cool because of his time with the Patriots last year. Antonio Brown even lived with Tom during that time, and it looks like he must have been a pretty good house guest because Glazer says A.B. has moved back in with Tom. As far as getting caught up on the game plan, how about this? Here's a leg up because he's actually been staying at Tom Brady's house, and Tom has actually been helping him off the field as well, lining him up with people to help him, including people like Tony Robbins. I need friends like Tom Brady. I don't need Stray in. I need Brady. Could, Tony Robbins. Could Antonio Brown have a better friend than no. Tom Brady? He says, hey, come to the Pats. You can stay with me. Oh, come to the Bucks. You can stay with me. Let me line up world-renowned guru Tony Robbins to help get you straight. But the question is, do you want to eat like Tom Brady? Do you want to not ever go out? Do you want to have no social life? I Which don't. Which is good for him. Not AB for me. Needs that. But AB, I think. Sure. I don't think I'd want to do that. Um, okay, well, if you could be roommates with one pro athlete, who would it be? If you could do the Antonio Brown, I'm bringing my bags, I'm the house guest, where are you going? Oh, so many good uh, choices here. I would have <laughs> to go pre 
uh, social media days. Oh, yeah. Pre-social media days. I don't know. Give me some of those Cardinals I just mentioned. Yeah, that'd be fun. I love my guy, Jimmy Edmonds. We'd have a little fun. Yeah, that, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a winner. I mean, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy would have it all lined up. We'd have the, you know, the private place in the steakhouse. You know, it, it'd be perfect. Yeah. And then he'd go out the next night and hit two bombs and go three for four. And I'd be on the uh, end of the bench not playing, but I'd be his buddy. And so I'd be fine to be a hanger on. No problem with that. If you're no going problem. pre-social media, why not Derek Jeter? Because you know you can go anywhere, do whatever you want, and that that's on lock. No cell phones allowed. But, but you did have the New York papers following you. Like you got to stay off the back pages. That's and true. That would be my only concern because you know they're probably watching him closely. He's in New York, but man, he was awesome. We're getting a lot of people saying I got to, I, I would want to live with Gronk. Yeah, See, I, I don't think I could. I could handle I could, that. I couldn't. No. That's my my point. I want to stay in the league, so I got to stay <laughs> in the league to make sure I can hang around with these guys and live the the party style. Uh, yeah, I couldn't do it. I just no. There's no way I can. No do Gronk. It. Scott, could you hang with Gronk? I'm all in to hang with Gronk. Are you kidding? We're going to the beach. I don't have to worry about how I look because Gronk's obviously going to be the best man looking in the room. If it's my, I don't have to try that hard. Ripping fireball he's, shots. He's got Gronk. everybody there. Exactly. If it's my final year in the league, yeah, I'm going Gronk. If I'm uh, <laughs> early on in my career, I'm I'm not going Gronk. No, because I got to stay in the league, and I wouldn't have stayed in the league. Gronk's going to get me into movies. I mean, he's got everything. You know, You're probably right about that. I might go LeBron. Because yeah. he's a huge wino, so I know I'm going to get some great vintages. He loves a boat situation. As we know, he likes to go on vacation with D. Wade, Chris Paul, those guys. There's a banana boat. And Randy talks about this on the show. He always brings up LeBron's latest real estate purchases. There you go. So he's got several homes. So even if I wore out my welcome, he might be like, hey, stay in my other. LeBron would be 30, good. $30 million yeah. L.A. mansion. <laughs> LeBron would be awesome. MJ would be awesome because... No, he'd make you work. He'd wake up and be like, Dan, I noticed that you okay. raked I'm... the leaves yesterday and it wasn't perfect. But I, I would stay in the league, though. He'd make me work and he'd take, he'd, we'd be on any golf course we wanted. That's true. That's so I love to play golf every once in a while so we could get anywhere we wanted. There would be no questions asked. Um, I think Phil Mickelson would be kind of fun. Play, I know, I know he's golf. not a bit. Yeah, because I, I, I'm thinking of the golf. I'm like the old man hanger on right now because I'm just looking at the golf courses. I'm not thinking about the big party scene. I just want to get on some of the best golf courses. Really? Yeah. You, you think Phil would be the number one golfer you'd want to stay with? Phil would be fun. I think I would really like to go with Bryson DeChambeau. Well, you'd, you'd be lifting to, a lot. You'd be lifting. You'd be eating a lot. A lot of calories. I'm not sure I want that. Dustin Johnson might be the play there. Dustin Johnson would definitely be the play. That's a great um, call. He's hitting bombs. He's having fun. Yeah. Uh, we're getting, let's see, Brett Hall would be great. No question. Some of the hockey players back oh, yeah. in the day would have been great. Brett Favre is getting a, uh, a notch here. Um, I'm going to pass on Favre. Yeah. Interesting one. It, it would be interesting. But I got to stay. I'm thinking of this as a business venture, too. I'm trying to stay in the league while having fun and being a hanger on and yet still playing golf. So I'm going the old man route. OK, we're going to revisit this on the crossover. Right. Send us who you would want to be roommates with, what pro athlete you would want to live with, A.B. style with Tom Brady. You can send us a text on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 or always contribute to the show with the Rhino Shield mic drop. You can do that via the 101 ESPN app. But coming up next, we're going to head back to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and talk a little bit more baseball with Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News. He's next, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin and for Randy Character and I, of course, am Michelle Smallman. But let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in senior MLB writer for the Sporting News. Ryan Fagan is with us. Good morning, Ryan, and thanks for taking the time to join us. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Okay, Ryan, so this is a conversation we're going to have a lot in this offseason for the Cardinals, but we've been talking about Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright and if they're going to return to the club. So I'm going to give you either, neither, or both. Do you think both okay. Yadier and Wainwright are back, either of them, or neither of them? Um, I'm going to say either of them. I'm leaning towards neither of them, which mm. I know is not something that people want to hear. Um, I, I just wonder, you know, I mean, we 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 all know how ultra competitive these two guys are, right? How much they love being in the thick of things, and if they sense that the Cardinals are not going to be um, contenders or aggressively trying to be contenders in 2021, I can see a scenario where they get talked into going somewhere else because they still have value as players, not just as leaders in the clubhouse or whatever. They still have very definite value that they bring to the playing field. And I think that there will be several teams interested in bringing um, both of those guys aboard. What is the market for, for those guys? So we're here in St. Louis. We're talking about the Cardinals obviously being in the middle of things, but uh, what other teams do you think would be in the market? And does that mean paying top dollar? Is it a chance to win? How does that marketplace evolve for those two? Well, I think the, the truth is this. If the Cardinals wanted them both back, they, they could pay more money than anyone else is willing to because nobody's going to get into a high-dollar bidding war for either Molina or Adam Wainwright. Um, but they're looking for value, and you know they're looking for Molina. I mean, a team that makes a lot of sense to me, and I wrote this the other day, is the White Sox. They make a lot of sense for both of those guys. One, because you know obviously Tony LaRusso is there, and if you're the White Sox, what better way to help your young guys understand what Tony LaRusso brings to the table in terms of helping them win a World Series than to bring in a player who was part of Tony LaRusso World Series, right? And so they, they make a lot of sense that way. For, the, for Molina especially, you know, they basically split their catching duties last year between Yasmani Grandal and James McCann, right? McCann is a free agent, so he's probably going elsewhere He's coming off a very good season. So if you bring in Yadier Molina to essentially split the catching duties with Yasmani Grantal, that makes a lot of sense. Now, they're not going to pay $15 million to Yadier Molina to do that, but you know I don't think anyone else is going to pay that either for a 38-year-old catcher. But So it, it could come down to a scenario where you know these guys make a, a decent amount of money, but they pick the situation that they feel gives them the best shot to do something like that. Ryan, same question, but in regards to Colton Wong, what do you think the market will be like for Wong? Uh, I think he's going to have, and it may take a while because it's going to be it was such a weird off season. And I'm already not looking forward to writing a story in January that says, look at how many great players are still out there because that <laughs> is going to happen. For sure. But I think at some point he can land a, a good, solid three or four year deal with somebody. You know, I think that he's still an outstanding player. I mean, he could win his second gold glove in a row. And I know his, his power numbers were down this year, only hit the one home run, didn't have a ton of doubles and triples, but you know, this is still a guy that has proven that he can be 
a reliable guy at the plate. You know, his on-base percentage has been trending up, and that's something you want to see. His strikeout and walk ratio is, is, is not great, but it's not awful. You know, I just think he's a guy that still has several years as a starting Major League second baseman uh, in his career. Now, does he try to take a one-year deal, hoping that the market is better next year, next offseason, when there's more certainty? That's a possibility. That's something that a lot of guys could do. But I think if he wants to say, this is where I want to be for the next three or four years, he could find a team that is willing to give him a three or four-year deal. What do you think the timeline will be for guys like Molina and and Wayno to, to make this decision, or do you think it drags out? Do you think it'd be quick, or do you think it drags out? Well, I, I tell you this. I think there is an opportunity for teams who want to get better quickly to have their pick of players. You know, So if a team decides... You know, Yadier Molina is the piece that we need. There's an opportunity to go out and get that done quickly. And I really do believe that Um, because so many teams are going to slow play this offseason. So many teams are going to say, well, let's figure out, you know, X, Y, Z before we go out and make trades or sign players. And there are teams that are going to say, okay, yeah, I get that. But we see these opportunities quickly and we can get these things wrapped up by the middle of November, early December. And I think that you're going to see some teams um, take advantage of that. So if, if someone decides that Molina or Adam Wainwright is a player that they want, um, that you can see that. I think the longer those two last on the free agent market, the better their chances of coming back to St. Louis, though. Ryan, there was a, a handful of players yesterday that were extended qualifying offers. Any player on that list that yeah. surprised you? Uh, Kevin Gostin was the only one that kind of stood out. Um, you know, he had a very good season uh, for the, the Giants, but he's been a guy who's never quite lived up to the potential that he has, not for extended stretches. And you can still call a, a 60-game season in 2020 a, a small sample size, relatively speaking. But, you know, he's a guy that has uh, a fastball that's in the mid to upper 90s. He can be a dominating guy he just doesn't do it forever you know and I think when you see some of the guys who were not extended to qualifying offers and then you see that he was that stands out now four or five years ago I wouldn't have blinked an eye at Kevin Gossman getting a qualifying offer because everybody did um, but it's not quite that same way and he's the only one that did get it that I was a little bit surprised what are your counterparts in the business saying about Tony La Russa going to the White Sox <laughs> everyone has an opinion about Tony La Russa yeah. and the White Sox and I think yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. There's no doubt about that. You know, I think that there's a certain segment of the baseball watching population that every time somebody is brought back um, and put in a role, it's a little bit disappointing because it means someone else not getting a chance to do that for the first time. Right. And I understand from an owner's perspective, you want some sort of certainty. You want some sort of track record. You can, you can say, this is why I hired the guy because he's done this, this, and this. Right. With La Russa, it's interesting because clearly he's a win now guy, right? You don't hire a 76 year old manager because you want him to be the manager for the next decade. You feel like you have a chance to win and you want to bring him in to do that. And he very well could do that. Um, I think he's taken the right steps so far to try to convince people that their immediate impressions might be wrong. But I, I think it's, it's going to be fascinating. And if nothing else, the White Sox certainly dominated the news cycle in a way that White Sox don't often dominate a news cycle with that hiring. Ryan, at what point do you think that baseball will make some type of decision on 
And I know this is a very tough question to answer because we don't know where we're at in our world, but, you know, are we going to have a full season? Do we have spring training? Um, so guys can get mentally and physically prepared for the long haul. At what point are you hearing that some of those decisions need to be made because all of a sudden we're back to square one maybe with the CBA if it's a shortened season? Yeah, and that the CBA is another thing that is <laughs> looms over everything. Every discussion that we're having over the next three months kind of ties into when the CBA expires after next season. So that's part of it. To me, I think there are certain things that need to be decided quickly, right? The first thing that needs to be decided, and the, the Players Association and baseball have to get together and figure this out, is what what's happening with the DH this year? You know, nationally, teams are sitting there thinking, well, we might love to go out and get this guy if we have the DH position available to us but if we don't then we're not we don't have any interest so i think it's little things like that they kind of have to get those things knocked out they have to figure out the, what the rules are going to be next year and hopefully you know I actually emailed the source at, at major league baseball late last week to ask if there was any updates and you know on background he said that there that that's something that has to go through processes and he hadn't heard of anything that was happening so far so you know they need to get that taken care of quickly and then they can get on to which are probably more important decisions like you were talking about the start of spring training how long the season goes what are the contingency plans based on what the country looks like in terms of the virus you know all of these types of things but you know i don't see a decision on that happening i mean honestly at, at least in the next month or so He's senior MLB writer for the Sporting News, Ryan Fagan. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Ryan Fagan, F-A-G-A-N. Ryan, great stuff. Thank you for taking the time to join Dan and I today. I always enjoy it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ryan. Well, coming up next, we are going to head down the stretch of Carriker and Smallman and get you ready for scoops with Danny Mac. So keep it here on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack sitting in for Randy today, who's taking time off to celebrate his anniversary with his wife. Very sweet. Very sweet. Very touching. Dan, this has been fun today. Yeah, it's been fun. Always appreciate it. Uh, this will be a short-lived crossover because <laughs> we have Chris Raby coming in in studio. So I'm sure we'll get into a lot of Cardinal talk and uh, also what happened with Mizzou over the weekend, which they lost to Florida. There was the benches clearing, Mm -hmm. kind of an ugly loss, so we'll get into that. But uh, a lot of baseball talk coming up with Chris. Can't wait. Scoops with Danny Mack. Everybody be tuned in right after this up until 11 a.m. How about Dan Mullen, by the way, after the scuffle coming back and hyping up the crowd? Not great. Not Not, great. Not a great look. And there were some people that went back and looked at his time at Mississippi State and some of the things he had done there. Not great, but, you know, it's the heat of the moment. It's easy to sit back like we are right now and say, well, that wasn't good and this isn't good. Heat of the moment, that kind of stuff happens. So we'll get into it coming up next hour. Sounds great. Well, before we wrap things up, we wanted to circle back to your Killing Me Smalls. We had talked about how Antonio Brown has moved in yet again with Tom Brady now that he's joining the Bucks, And I had asked Dan if he could live roommate style, house guest style with one professional athlete, (laughs) who it would be. So there's been some interesting ones coming in here. (laughs) Deion Sanders... Uh, Joe Namath, which would be a great one. Um, let's see. The other one was Kobe. We had The Rock. We had a lot of John Daly. A lot of John Daly. Because people know I want to play a lot of golf. Yeah. And I'm going to have fun with John Daly. Yes, you will. Now he'll be, you know, 
chain smoking. That's fine. <laughs> he can do what he wants, but he's going to get me on a lot of courses. That's I was true. supposed to play uh, golf with John Daly this year. No way. Where? The, he was coming through to do a promotion with the Cardinals to promote the Ascension Charity Classic, and uh, he's a huge Cardinal fan. And his representation reached out and said, hey, do you want to play with John Daly and myself and Jim Edmonds? And we're like, absolutely, we're in. <laughs> yeah, you don't say no to that. No, we're, we're going to do it. So hopefully we can do that next year. But John Daly would be fun. That is Definitely. a good one. Definitely. Some people texting in Shaq. And while I do think Shaq yeah. would be a blast, I'm going with his counterpart on Inside the NBA. How about Charles Barkley? Barkley would be awesome, whether he's playing or now as a broadcaster. Perfect. I'm going to throw this one out there. This is kind of a wild card. Brad Thompson, because he lives off the strip in Vegas, could, you know, when he was, that's where he grew up. So mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Vegas. That would have been fun too. Now, I may go broke, but I'm going to have some fun doing it. You're definitely going to hit the sports book. And the thing about BT that would make him such an awesome roommate if you were the house guest is he would always be down for games. Oh, yeah. If you were like, hey, let's go out in the backyard and we'll play some bags. But I have this interesting wrinkle I'm throwing in. It's a new scoring system. He'd be like, I'm down. Let's do it. We call Anthony Stalter. He could put the line on some of these games. <laughs> We'd have a little fun. Yeah, BT would be a lot of fun. BT's fun to uh, be around even as a broadcaster. So That's it would right. be fun. What about this the current Cardinals team? If you could be a house guest for one current member of the Cardinals, we'll of course, throw Wong, Yachty, Wayno in the mix, too, because they're not officially with anyone else in case you wanted to pick one of them. I'm going Dexter. He's well-connected. You know, he's going to get me into top seats at NBA games, you know. Oh, yeah. He's going to play a little golf. I play some golf with Dexter. So, um, yeah, I'm going Dexter because he's going to get me in where I can't get in. So I'm going Dexter. And I've seen on his Instagram when he's had guys over at his house for movie night or whatever, it looks like he's got a sick theater room, oh, yeah. a popcorn setup. Yeah. So if you're the house guest, imagine watching the World Series in yeah. the theater room with the popcorn going. He's going to take care of me, and we're going to go play golf. We're going to hang out. you know. But again, I'm looking at how is this person going to get me into places I can't get. I'm going Dexter. He's well-connected. That's a good one. Um, I might pick Yachty. Because I know that he'd have some great stories. And he's got the music industry background. We could be dancing, doing some some tunes. Maybe I could sample on a song, get a producing credit or something. I don't know. Yeah, you, you, he'd, he'd give you a little credit. Yeah. Let him take... <laughs> The, 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 let him get the titles, but you're just on the subtweets. You know, you're on the subcredit. That's what you this? get. I want to live with Sub-text. Jeff Albert. Because then I could ask him a lot of questions. I could be like, hey, take me through this process so that I can know exactly what is happening. Because we talk about the Jeff Albert approach a lot, but I want I want the nitty-gritty details. If I want a good workout, I'm going Tyler O'Neill. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know. Um, Fashion, Harrison Bader. Sure. Uh, Wayno would be fun. Wayno's going to get you to a lot of places, too. He knows everybody, too, but he's going to get me on the best golf courses, So, and he can, he's a stick, so I could play golf with him, plus talk about things. He's fun to talk to anyway. He's just fun to just visit with anyway, yeah. so Wayno would be a good one. Um, I don't think I could do a coach because they, they have to be at the ballpark at 10. That's too early. So I'm out, yeah. Well, you know what, Dan? You've been a great house guest today. On the Thank show. you very much. Thank you very much. You got the you got the, the the A crew back tomorrow. So Randy will be back with you tomorrow, but thanks for doing this. And then uh Chris Raby coming up in studio next hour. That's right. Character and Smallman wrapping up here. Stay tuned for Scoops with Danny Mac. That's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. 
No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.